Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it's hip to be square. Right now, in a galaxy very near in Southern California, four normies gather to discuss the Skywalker saga in anticipation of its closure. It's the eighth episode of Starvember and Warsember. It's The Last Jedi on Normies Like Us. Every word of what you just said is wrong. Kind of fair to you. I won't. Foolish child. The greatest teacher. Failure is. It's time for the Jedi to end. We're back, normies. You think you're looking up into space, but really it's just a close-up of a rock as a hand slaps the ground. We're talking The Last Jedi with your host. It's me, B.B. Colin. It's me, uh, Canto Mike. Uh, this is uh, Cablo Ren. And I'm Adam Arol. Adam Arol. Adam Arol Akbar. Oh, you don't <laughs> want me hold out? Vice Adam Arol Holdo? <laughs> oh, no, I, I thought about that, but you know, in, in honor of. Uh, well, I guess they both bite the dust. Yeah. Yeah. They do. This is One a less- disaster. I'm going back to being Adam Crumb. That's way easier. Ooh, I like that one. <laughs> return return to the Jedi. We got Canto Mike, maybe my least favorite of them as well. Uh, great <laughs> wordplay, but ugh, just I even thinking it. about it. Well, Mike oh. is barely in this one, so I couldn't reuse that. I'll just be Adam Finn it. That'll be good. <laughs> All right, big F. <laughs> so we're doing it. This is the one uh, that we've been teasing for like 40 episodes that we're going to do The Last Jedi. Now it's Starvember and Warsember, episode 8. The Last Jedi, possibly uh, the most divisive of the Star Wars films, um, leading up to Rise of Skywalker. Oh, absolutely is, Mike. And, you know, we've been doing closures with our special guest here, Adam, and while this may not be the last of the new ones, it's the last of the latest. I mean, it's like all we know of Star Wars right now, so we're very happy to have you here, buddy. Thank you so much for having me on again, guys. It has been an absolute pleasure to be a uh, part of your your journey through these nine films. Um, glad to be here. Well, I'm curious. I, I got think... a couple questions this time, Adam, because, you know, we've talked in the past. The question going around is always like, where were you when you saw this? But I haven't asked you about a modern one yet. So, like, where were you in a Christmas in 2015? Like, were you running to see this with the family? Is this like just a you and your girlfriend affair? Well, this is, uh, yes, just my uh, lovely girlfriend and I at the Arclight Dome in Hollywood. Uh, By virtue of seeing Episode 7 at the Arclight Dome, I wanted to carry that tradition on. Figured I'd see all three of these new ones in the same spot. And so I was there at 6 p.m. the day before official release because here in sunny Los Angeles, they give us the movies early. Yeah, which, you know, it's a benefit many people are taking advantage of with the upcoming film, which will have come out by the time this releases, and we'll have an episode on that coming soon. Can't uh, wait. Yep. I I saw this one on day of release, not day before, uh, though I should have tried. Um, I remember having mixed feelings about it, and then uh, watching it again when it came out and having mixed feelings up until this point. I'm hoping we can explore those together on this episode, everybody. So, uh, come Jacob, on, how about buddy. you? Uh, I love this movie and I don't understand why people, you know, give it so much shit, but, uh, yeah, you know, I saw this movie when it came out and, uh, you know, as soon as it was over, I was like, this, that was great. This movie's great. 
and then I saw it again a couple days later uh, with my family for the holidays, and I loved it again. And I thought, you know what? I don't understand. Um, this is probably the the movie that has had the most like divisive response that I don't agree with that I've ever like seen. Mm. Like I've never disagreed with like the popular sentiment about a movie to the degree that I do with this one. And I think that's a lot of what we're going to get into. Uh, some, some of those issues, not the uh, less reputable ones, but before we get there, Colin, how about you? Where were you when you yeah, saw this Yeah, the guy? strange internet discourse, Mike. I'm just happy my boys here were all running out to see this thing like we weren't waiting weeks. I was the same. Jacob, I believe I went with you either the day of or maybe the day before like you, Adam. Uh, but how many of you guys were repeats because like Jacob, I did go with my parents later? Uh, I also went out almost maybe just the day after. I was like, I got to go see this thing again. Hell yes. Um, well, I was uh, I was a little upset. I wasn't angry about it. You know, I got my popcorn. I got my lightsabers. I got my X-Wings. So I wasn't complaining, but I did come out of the movie and everyone was cheering. And uh, I asked my girlfriend, you know, how do you like it? She said, oh, I thought it was great. And a little while later, I was like, are you going to ask me how I, uh, I felt about it? Because everyone was just like <laughs> cheering around us. And I was like, I, I think I hated it. <laughs> I think, no, she I just wanted to accept that crowd mentality. But that's all right, dude. Hey, again, we're not judging on this podcast if anybody feels strong ways or whatever. The thing I'm most excited about, dude, is that you were like, I love Star Wars so much. Even if I didn't like it, I'm going to go to that second viewing just to fucking analyze it, digest what I saw, and maybe give it another try. Like, that's what's fucking cool. Oh, yeah. I'll give any Star Wars movie at least three or four watches. Yeah. Um, leading up to doing this episode, I've actually watched this three times this week, <laughs> trying to like collect oh my, my God, thoughts. Mike. The uh, journal I you literally... have, the Jedi text that you have carved. <laughs> Page turners they are not. But uh, I just finished watching my third viewing right before we hopped on this podcast because it's the one that I, I'm most conflicted about. I, I, you know, um, And so I'm just trying to kind of come to terms with that uh i yeah, think it's it's, it's yeah, interesting just, sorry um to think about kind of how like the discourse about this movie when it first came out because i saw it opening night as well and then it seemed like you know i checked the internet after i saw it get first reactions seemed kind of like mixed reactions and then over the course of the next couple of days it seemed to go a little negative or at least at least the uh loudest uh fans seemed to do not like it and then, uh, you know, like like we were saying, I, I saw it again a couple of days later uh, with my family. Same thing I'm planning to do with the new one. I already have, uh, you know, purchased tickets for two screenings, so I'm ready to see that one twice. Um, yeah, man, it was a it was a device of the film Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> and I think um, same thing. I got out, and I felt like there was parts that I liked, and some parts that I was a little upset with, but it, it wasn't like this is the worst movie, this is ruined Star Wars, how dare they, right? But there was that loud voice, and I don't think even, even though I think we have some dissension in the group, uh, I don't think it's kind of that, that toxic voice that we were seeing from the internet, uh, luckily. No, I, I, I do not uh, support any of those idiots. Uh, as I said, popcorn, Star Wars, what am I going to complain about, man? 
<laughs> right. Yeah. Nah, well, there, they don't yeah, dislike the movie. They dislike a character. You know what I'm saying, Jacob? They they dislike a certain lady in dislike general. Where they're like, "Oh, you need to not be <laughs> or, in this anymore." Rose of the Tico. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They hate right, Mike. everything. I mean, there's a certain contingent. You can look them up. It's called the Fandom Menace. Those are probably oh. the worst uh, Star Wars fans out there. They've actually coalesced into a group. Uh, that are all about, you know, basically Star Wars has gone to shit ever since uh, Disney bought them. You know, Kathleen Kennedy doesn't know what she's doing. All this stuff that's just like the worst garbage on the internet. And it should be noted, uh, if you've noticed, listeners, Joe is again out on a mission uh, today. He'll be he'll be writing or sending in his thoughts by a transmission. But he's one to say no one hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans, and that's what that <laughs> contingent right. kind of is. Mike, uh, I um, heard he's on an island receiving special training from a mentor. I already cut himself off from the pod. Oh, no. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to see. Colin, what's another thing? We always ask about the titles here, so let's go ahead and look at this. This is The Last Jedi. I want The Last ask Jedi. That, with our guys. Now I'm obsessed yeah. with... Um, oh, I'm sorry. You said just to throw to Adam, but just to throw it out there, guys, I always think of what Mike says with the repeat of the word here, so keep that in mind as you mm-hmm. say, Jedi, Jedi. Yeah. Adam, what do you think about this? Um, I, I really tried to avoid many trailers or even thinking about this movie pre-release much at all. So I had neutral f- feelings going in. I thought it was a better title than The Force Awakens. I remember that one made me a little, it gave me some cringe factor. Uh, I thought it was a little cheesy. So I, I was pretty neutral on it. And, and that's also why I went so early. I just wanted to avoid any kind of preconceptions about, about this movie. Uh, so I didn't have strong opinions, I guess. In retrospect, I think it's uh, it's a good title. It's fitting. I think it's a perfect title because it's ambiguous. It's kind of open ended. Like you don't know: is Luke the last Jedi? Is Rey the last Jedi? Is Kylo Ren the last Jedi? What even you, you know? What is that? What are they even talking about? And I kind of like the more ambiguous titles rather than ones that just kind of sum up exactly what's happening in the movie. It kind of makes it. Uh, more interesting. Yeah, and as Colin kind of alluded to, my issue is more with not the grammar of it, but the reuse of the word Jedi, because even including now the ninth film, we know that it's Rise of Skywalker, they've never repeated a a word. Um, You know, we have Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Force Awakens, and then The Last Jedi, which it's the one outlier in this naming convention. It fucks with my DVDs on the shelf, Jacob, and it doesn't look good. (laughs) But my counter argument to that would be... It ruins Star Wars. (laughs) My counter argument would be there's not enough proper nouns in the Star Wars universe that they were going to have to duplicate a word at some point. Like, obviously, they're using Skywalker in the new movie, but, Mm -hmm. like, how many other proper nouns associated with star wars could they really use that could make it make an interesting title you know what i mean i wish it was called the last porgs but <laughs> well, you know they should have worked porg the in there somewhere mike <laughs> that's right the porg awakens look but, i jacob um, called me out, out because like i'm the guy who liked attack of the clones out of our entire group i'm pretty sure and it does not get more descriptive than that my fear, Mike, was that the three-peat in this saga was the the. I had to look it up recently. It is not the rise of the Skywalker. It's just rise of the Skywalker. So I like The Last Jedi because it's a the and the next one isn't, I guess. Is it rise of the Skywalker? or the It is rise, rise of, of the Skywalker. Skywalker. All right, just rise. 
we'll have to talk about that one specifically next time. But yeah, it's uh, it's just a little weird too. We have, we talk about the subject, object, noun, blah blah blah. But I'm sure that's not what people are here for listening. No, we're here <laughs> they want to hear syntax, man. The that's debate. what it is. Yeah, I am a protocol droid, and I love syntax. Well, I would um, just say that the Phantom Menace or A New Hope aren't specific to Star Wars, right? Like, they, they didn't have true. to use a Star Wars noun. True. Yeah, what would true. you have called it instead of The Force Awakens, Adam? Like, uh, just The Light Rises or something like that could be vague enough. Um, the first third portion. Or... <laughs> Uh, one quarter portion. <laughs> if it was called Star Wars One Quarter Portion, <laughs> I'd be so fucking happy. Where's that fan film? I guess it'll be one third portion. We'll get the other two in the next uh, installments. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I'm. I'm not good at creating alternatives. I just like to complain. Now, now you're a real though. Star Wars fan. Um, let's go into it, guys. This, this is it. It's the the Last Jedi, the biggest and the baddest, as far as the discussion is probably concerned. Um. I think hotly anticipated. Let's get into it. Last Jedi. Oh, hold on. We got all these little porgs around us. I'm going to pick this one up, put it over here. There we go. All right, much better. Uh, we're back, yeah. normies. We're talking The Last Jedi. We are on Act 2, uh, uh, gathered around a fire. We're about to tell, tell an epic tale of The Last Jedi. Act 2, <laughs> thank you. Bless me. Um, I like that. You know, first we got to talk about the basics of The Last Jedi. As we've said before with the Disney films, we get these every two years. They're always Christmas releases. In that time, though, guys, by the time this film comes out... Would it surprise you to know that there are four Star Wars films since 2015 by this point, and Solo will come after it. So we've gotten the two mainline films, Rogue One and uh, Solo as well. It's like, is that maybe too much Star Wars? I don't know. I think, uh, you know, Disney, they got a little ambitious. They're like, we're going to make our own trilogy. Then we're going to have in every off year, we're going to have these Star Wars stories, uh, which is what Rogue One and Solo are, obviously. And I just feel like they tried to um, really marvelize the Star Wars universe, but then they kind of realized that they can't just, you know, pump out these movies. Like people are just going to complain because there's too many and they're not, you know, good enough. So after Solo, obviously that bombed. They kind of stepped back and said, "Oh, maybe we'll we won't make these Star Wars stories as often as we thought we were going to." I think Marvel gets to be a little safer. No one has an expectation for an Ant-Man spinoff, but everybody has every expectation for what a Han Solo movie should be, too. So That's true. Mm, that's right, buddy. So why, why, why make it? Oh, wait, what's this, Adam? I'm just saying, why make the Han Solo movie, then? Make the political thriller Star Wars movie. Give me that low-budget pod racer movie. Like, Oh, my God. Yeah, that's, I think that's you're going to say Bail Organa running for Senate. <laughs> I think I'd they started out in, in the right <laughs> way with Rogue One because Rogue One, mm. it's a very different feeling than the main trilogy. It's like a war movie. Right away, there's no opening crawl. And you're like, all right, this is different, but it's in the Star Wars universe. And then they tried to, I don't know what they were thinking with the Solo prequel, but they're like, oh, people like Han Solo. Let's make a prequel about that. And that wasn't such a good idea. And so in a lot of ways, this was their chance to kind of return to form. We're doing a mainline Star Wars movie, and it's in uh, the hands of 
Ryan Johnson, Colin, what else can you tell us kind of about the release of this thing, the budget, everything like that? Ryan Johnson, not Ruin Johnson. Get out of here, all you haters. But uh, <laughs> the main thing is, Mike, we can kind of assume he got this movie off of Looper, which was his sort of low-budget, high-budget sci-fi film, uh, again, original. And clearly Star Wars, Kathleen Kennedy at the head was looking for original auteurs. That's what she was doing with Brad Bird and J.J. Abrams. These are the people who make blockbusters now are sort of like people who can do the grab bag of our past, you know, have that aesthetic of like, oh, well, I grew up on Star Wars. I know exactly what Star Wars should be. So she brings Ryan Johnson in and uh, he writes it himself. He is the fourth original director that we have for a Star Wars um, when you take in the two for the original trilogy and then J.J. Uh, Abrams and, uh, and now him himself, Ryan Johnson. And you got to wonder, mm -hmm. guys, like, is the box office reflection for this film coming about from what we were just talking about, a little bit of Star Wars exhaustion? Because, again, you had uh, Force Awakens in, like, the 300 million range for the budget. This is a little lower. It's listed at, like, the two to 300 range. But whereas Force Awakens made about $2 billion, this makes 1.3, so a huge drop-off there. Well, I think the difference is, like, the Force Awakens was the first new Star Wars and everyone was like Cultural super event, you know, excited to see unquote. it. Yeah. So this one, you know, the sequel, I don't think it was ever going to make as much as uh, the first one. So I don't, you know, that's how I feel about that. We saw a dip between New Hope and Empire as well, looking at the original trilogy and I believe Attack of the Clones and Phantom Menace. So it seems to be a common trend amongst the Star Wars movies. People check out the first one and then uh, maybe check out following. Uh also, a lot of that drop was in the international market, if I'm correct. Um, so I believe I heard that as well, yeah. Yeah, that's just interesting to consider. I have no idea what it means. Yeah, I think specifically <laughs> Japan, they haven't like cracked at all what they like. And then China, of course, the huge mass market there, still, again, no interest in Root in Star Wars. It was not a piece of their but they past. they love yeah. Marvel. They love Marvel. Yeah. So weird. Not big on space yeah, movies, I guess. Star Wars really is an American kind of thing, maybe a little bit of Europe. But yeah, I guess some about it didn't really translate. Um, and also, as we talked about earlier, the reviews, some of it didn't translate for the domestic audience either. Uh, mixed reviews for the critic. Uh, critics were very positive, but audiences were very mixed on it and still are to this day. To this day, Mike. Yeah, that's kind of where, you know, the the dichotomy between the critics and the the. the general audience is, is so interesting to me because I mean, I can't really think of another uh, big movie that came out that, that had this reaction. Um, but it's almost like, you know, the, it's almost like the general audience, like was watching a different movie or something and, and it just doesn't add up. So something doesn't add up here. Let's, what could that be? You know? All right. And the only way yeah. to know that is to go through it all. So Mike, I want you to take us through the plot here. We'll do a quick summary and then air those grievances, guys. I want to hear what you think is wrong with it too. I've got a couple things to say, but then we'll get into some positive too and we'll break it down in thirds like we usually do, normies. Absolutely. All right. So I'm going to run through this thing as briefly as I can. This is the longest Star Wars movie to date. So let's uh, get into it. Whoa, that alone, man. Whoa. Yeah, here we go. Beginning. Resistance is fleeing a base, only to be ambushed by the First Order. Poe leads a bombing run to take out the Dreadnought, but is reckless and gets demoted. Finn awakens to ask, where is Rey? Rey meets Luke, who tosses his lightsaber. She tries to convince him to come back and help. Kylo is berated by Snoke and takes off that ridiculous mask. Boy, does he ever. Slow chase ensues. Kylo can't kill his mother. Luke gets convinced by R2 and a hologram to train Rey. 
Ray and Kylo Force Chat, Finn, Rose, and BB-8 head to Canto Bite to find a codebreaker to destroy the tracker on the Dreadmont, free some animals, meet some kids, and push their whole fist through that whole lousy, beautiful town. Kylo asks Ray to let the past die, and Luke says, no daughter of mine is going to be talking to no Sith. Ray goes to meet Kylo, even though Luke says it won't go the way she thinks. They decide not to be friends after killing Snoke, and things did not go the way she thinks. They decide uh, to go down and track the rebels. Kylo takes over. Yoda explodes a Jedi tree with Force Lightning. Holdo Kamikaze is the enemy fleet. And Luke Force projects to distract everyone, while Ray uses the Millennium Falcon to draw off the TIE Fighters, all of them, lift some rocks, and the survivors head out on the Millennium Falcon. Hopeless, but perhaps a spark of rebellion remains in Broom Boy. Credits. Oh my god. Nice. <sighs> nice. I hope we did it. All right, Mike, that did not exhausting. go how I thought it would. You were right. I just disappeared and my cloak is floating in the wind now. That <laughs> but there's a that beautiful of silhouette of two suns above you, buddy. It's gorgeous. <laughs> exactly. But that's it. You know, we get the slow chase, uh, we get the training, and we get um, the big climax at the end, you know, and Battle with the Emperor. All right, well, I'm saying highlights here real quick if I'm going to jump in, just because you gave the briefest of the brief to it. You know, I know everybody chews up that snarky intro, I'm Poe Dameron, I tell jokes, blah, blah, blah. I don't even care about that, guys, because it gets me to the most gorgeous sequence of all when we just get a silent movie about a woman whose bomber doesn't work, the the Paige Tico stuff. That's like my favorite scene in a movie lately. That is great stuff, Kong. And the whole, the opening battle is just really well done as well. I think we're already becoming divided. Because oh, no. Is it the I, bomb I, I, thing, Mike? Is it the thing where people talk about how could the bombs drop with gravity? It's like that. I just always like roll my eyes That's explained in like the, the, the illustrated It's an artificial compendium. gravity well. Yeah, right? they're, they're, they're I, using, I don't even need uh, it either. Magnetized. If you push a volleyball on the moon, it just floats. <laughs> like if you drop a bomb, it just drops. It makes right, sense. Right, that's true as well. One of my biggest frustrations with this movie is that by disliking it, People assume that I am a rabid, like, weirdo fanboy, which, I mean, in a way, I definitely am. <laughs> but they think I like it for or dislike it for reasons that I do not. Uh, with those bombers, it's not the, the bombs being dropped. It's the general tactics of what are you doing? You, there are 200 of you left, and you're going to send the slowest ships of all time directly at this dreadnought? Like, no projectile weapons? I was just, I was confused by it. Well, they had to. That, the, the sh- that, ship, that ship's a fleet killer. No, we're already, we're already having uh, flawed tactics here because at one point, you know, Leia says, all right, call it off, Poe. We got to bring everybody back. It's too dangerous, but it's a fleet killer. But she doesn't contact any of the other pilots to say, hey, Poe's gone rogue. Come on back. She just lets it happen, right? So that's already a problem. The other issue is if the First Order just suffered a devastating loss in The Force Awakens, how are they still like in hot pursuit? Like, you know, it's like the setup. They lost a whole get planet, the Force Mike. Awakens. Like, it seemed like that was the base of their operations. I'm with you. Yeah, but now they're stronger than ever. The resistance is weaker than ever, even though they had a huge victory. I, I know the New Republic was destroyed, but again, the world building is what's hurting these films almost more than anything else, in my opinion. So the setup's weird, but. It is a scene filled with tension, Colin. I see what you're saying with Paige and trying to get the remote. Like it's, It executes that well. And you're talking tactics, Mike. Um, I absolutely agree with you. The tactics of the film are super bad, and especially when we get into the chase that we'll talk about later. But don't you feel yeah. that this is maybe the best film for the space stuff where it really just sort of outlines what's going on? To me, anyways, where I'm like, 
oh, that's a dreadnought. They're using this, you know, much superior ship to bomb and destroy these things. They're doing chases of these transports. Uh, I understand the distances and the fighters and how things are going, that they would call in bombing support. Like, it just seems like, oh, it's the Navy. Like, it is finally ships. Like, I really finally understand that. It feels like a homage to kind of George Lucas being inspired by World War, like, dogfights. Oh, fights and, the, and, and the biggest yeah, exactly. one, Mike, how about, uh, you know, you get BB-8 mm-hmm. basically plugging up the holes of a sinking ship, right? Like, that would be where the water's coming in as he's just jamming his head on the wires. I mean, that's like that's like the biggest homage of all, right? That's also a questionable moment. For me. Uh, it's really <laughs> no, bad. I, I, see I, I 100% agree. But it, but it is. It's like that's what he's going for. Is the kitschy like, oh, BB-8. There's holes in the ship. You got to plug them up. And it's like, like it just feels like it's like a crazy World War One battle. Yeah, and if I was a kid, I would have loved that scene, which you know can't take away from that. Adam, anything else on this opening battle? I think the tactics are just weird, and I don't like that Hux gets turned into a joke. I uh, but. Yeah, it's it's just a weird shift in drama to me that our main character, who we're, or our character we're familiar with, is cracking jokes, and then it turns into a very serious drama about someone I have no connection to. Like, the tone Hold shifts. On, but you love like her space heroic. pendant, Adam. You see that, and you're like, oh, totally. I'm absolutely on board with that. I I think I was just so confused already. Like that's like I'm I'm down I'm more down with it now now that my initial like what are they doing is gone. Like they're all just those slow bombers. I was just like guys, guys you're you're all going to die. <laughs> and, and I guess they do. <laughs> well, I think I mean the they're at their wits end. They've got a limited number of ships. I mean, what else, you know, we don't know all the details of what they capable of but it seems like that's kind of their last resort um and you know i really like the scene with with uh rose's sister because you don't know who she is right away um but you kind of get invested in in her and she kind of represents the the rebels right and then you see this this pendant which is obviously foreshadowing for rose's character so i think it's a nice little little scene and it sets up that she's been training with Leia because she doesn't suffocate in the vacuum of space, which <laughs> the bottom of her bomber opens up into. So Very um, we don't know how those yeah. ships where are the Mary Poppins tech. I, yeah, I, yeah. It's, people are just like we, nitpicking like these ships and it's like no one's ever nitpicked yeah. Star Wars as much as this movie, I don't think. But Star Wars has never discussed fuel before. Right. So if we're going to discuss fuel. We need to discuss other things. Well, of course, there's but, fuel. But, how else would their ships go? <laughs> Well, it's a movie that heavily discusses tactics. You know, it it really lays out the plan, even when it's very convoluted and they have to insert like, but because of what about that? Oh, right. Well, the reason we can't do that is this, you know, like it gets really heavy into it. Whereas you look at, you know, Return of the Jedi, the space battle, there's just too much going on to even process you know the vague tactics of it it's just kind of people going we <laughs> right yeah, well it's explosions. like we're, we're gonna fly through the shield the shield's up oh fuck let's go attack the ships then yeah. well, i you think know, there like, is there yeah. is like some convoluted tactics in here but i think it's kind of everything is in in, in serves the purpose of like setting up you know the plot and the, the characters so i just feel like you know, some of the criticisms gets bogged down into, you know, like, why did they do this when they could have done something else? And it's like, well, that, you know, that's what they did. So it's just, you got to just go with it. I just feel like these things get overly nitpicked. And and we really could like forever, but I, I just 
for me, just there are some issues with the tactics yeah. even later There's on during the chase. For sure, for sure. Be brief, with the rest but, of the intro, does, just because I just briefly said it, and just because we got Adam here, and I just want to know his opinion. I know you said like the comedy up top, but you know we got to talk about it. the most dissected moments of this film are heavily criticized. Are one of them being that phone call up top? Adam, does that bug you? Where it's oh, General Hux, is he there? Blah blah blah. Is that too jokey? Does that set up the rest of the tone for you in a bad way? It's a Yo Mama joke. Uh, it's, it is a Yo it's Mama a joke. It's a really Mike. long setup to a Yo Mama joke is what bothered me. Like, uh, especially rewatching it, like, it stunk on me a little more because I already knew what was going to happen. That it's like, oh, man, this is like 30, 40 seconds of setup for this joke. So I'd say most of the comedy that to me feels very modern falls a little bit flat for me. Um you know, if if someone's in trouble and there's a situation that they're dealing with in kind of a carefree way, like I like that kind of comedy in Star. I like frustrated Han Solo comedy, um, but boring yeah. conversation anyway. Yeah. Well, but again, there's like a reason that he makes that joke, and the reason it takes so long, he's stalling to while his you know engines or whatever warm up. You can see like while he's doing it, there's like a little meter in his cockpit. You know, punches it. So there's a, there is a specific reason he's doing that like long setup. So it's not like it's just out of nowhere, right? And you right. mentioned Han just, Solo. Guess, the biggest defense, I guess, that I hear is the is the cell block. You know, in New Hope, we're fine. How are you? Like, is that is that comedy? I mean, that is right, Adam. I I think yeah. The the difference is just tone. Like, I don't see a Yo Mama joke in space or later Poe Dameron says the big ass door. <laughs> like it just feels, it just takes me out That's of the a great universe moment a too. Bit. <laughs> the difference between the New Hope scene and this scene is Han Solo is panicking because he's lost control of the situation, whereas this Poe is just uh, tooling with him. Yeah, yeah, but. Poe might be a cockier guy than Han Solo, guys, especially in this movie. movie. He's always thinking with his cockpit. (laughs) Right, and again, think about The Force Awakens. You know, his first scene in The Force Awakens, he does the, you know, like, who who talks first? You talk, I talk. Like, that's the same kind of humor. Yeah, it's true. And I like that scene. Uh, I do, and I think there's totally a place for the, the charismatic, like, cocky hero and this movie does not let not him be movie. that. <laughs> like, because it movie. is a film of, and you pointed this out in the notes, Adam, it's a film about learning lessons. Uh, I keep thinking about the one, and maybe it's super obvious to people, but what Mike pointed out in the last episode in The Force Awakens, FN2197 or whatever you call Finn, learning, thank you, learning not to run away. Like watching that, I was like, damn, Mike, that's like really cool and interesting that he does have like a very clear and visible growth and arc. This movie, this movie is about teaching every single character a lesson. And I think that's pretty interesting for a blockbuster movie. Yeah, and I think for Poe, right, like his biggest challenge would be, well, what happens when he's not allowed to hop in an X-Wing yeah. and blow something and up? he will and fail this entire movie, Mike. Yeah, him. he will just keep blowing it and learn to, I've got to be a leader. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, hot dogging it isn't the way. Uh, there's some issues with, I think, the scripting and the plan or the tactics, right? But I, I the would just, arc is him learning that lesson, and I think he, that is accomplished at least. Yeah, we'll we'll get into it, but you know, I think you know Holdo's plan makes a lot more sense than Poe's plan. So the fact that you know, I think Poe acts pretty stupidly this whole movie, 
Yeah, her Going plan demanding... works out, Jacob. Yeah, he's he's just been demoted. He goes in, demands to know the plan from a superior officer, and then throws a tantrum when he can't when they don't tell him the plan, and then has a mutiny because they won't tell him the plan. So why would you why would you tell this guy the plan? Like you know, like I, we don't know if there's spies. I guess I know. guess for me, what I'm usually looking for in a Star Wars movie, which is its own genre of film at this point, even the the spinoffs are following this kind of genre format. Is I have the one character that is figuring themselves out that I identify with. You know, I have someone who doesn't have their stuff together, and then I have all these archetypes surrounding them that know exactly who they are and their place in this universe. And in this movie, I really feel like Rose is the only person who has like set values and she knows exactly what she's doing. Oh my as far God, as people folks. in the mix of it. Okay, Normies, so, I think if that's any of you think that Adam is a hater, he just said Rose is one of the coolest characters in this movie, so you guys no, that's can all not what I said. Most no, no, that's exactly what you just said, word for word, buddy. <laughs> but I do think, I think maybe my biggest complaint is just, I get that Poe has an arc. I get that, I get that these arcs are paid off. I just don't really care, you know? Like, I'm, yes. I'm looking for my, my hero to go on an adventure and to... To look up to a character like, you know, Poe Dameron, like to be like, ah, that's the cool guy I could never be not get bogged down and like their character evolution because I don't rewatch movies like that. I'm not smart enough. I just want my dumb popcorn chomping. Well, Empire Strikes Back was a a character driven kind of movie that, you know, so this is sort of like that in, in its own way. And there's a lot of parallels to Empire and a little bit for Return of the Jedi in this. I'll talk about later. But I do like what you said about Rose because she does have kind of the strongest morals and principles. and like. But what would you guys you know, say is her lesson? Because if I could outline the three, what I think, and I'll leave out Mark Hamill for just a minute. But I would say Finn learns, hey, even though I joined an army, that doesn't mean I'm a good guy. I'm still stuck in this situation. I have to learn to actually rise up and meet and realize if this is the cause I want to back. Um, Poe Dameron learns, hey, I'm cocky. I can always get away with it. No, I can't. I actually have to put my faith in other people and actually learn how to be a leader. And Ray, sort of like you just said, Adam, talk about finding her place in the world, is like, no, I can find my place in the world, and I'll do it with this old man. Oh, wait, he's not going to help me either. I really can't rely on anybody but myself. I think that, and you don't need to know about your parents and shit. You know, it's like it's about who you are right now. The interesting about thing about Finn and Rose. So Finn goes from wanting to run away again, which kind of bugs, right? But that's not really his arc in the movie. Like that's only in the first scene, really, where he tries to run away. Rose stops him. Then they go on this crazy plan to you know do whatever. And then at the end, he's swung so far the other way that he's almost he's ready to sacrifice himself for the rebels. And Rose he's like stops. Like Poe now. Yeah. So he goes. So I would argue that his his arc isn't the same as the Force Awakens because only in the beginning he wants to run away. Then he you know he goes so far into you know I gotta you know I gotta fight the first order that he's willing to sacrifice himself for force awakens he is tied to a friend it's so much more about him and ray and obviously that iconic line in the beginning you're totally right jacob and the reason he wants to run where's ray oh she's not here okay well i'm taking off and then by the end he he doesn't want to just run away to a cause yeah yeah he wants to go go to ray and then the the two of them would run away because he also knows the first order better than anyone so he's you know constantly scared of the first order at first janitor 
Yeah. Um, but I like his evolution because then at the end he does, you know, have that sacrificial moment. And then, you, you know, Rose is like, whoa, you don't have to go that far. Like, you know, you don't have to kill yourself, but. You know, glad. No, you no, no. Say the full that. line. Don't you dare bring it up without saying you <laughs> can't sure beat oh, hate no. with hate, but with love will whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's but, not um, a, that's not a great line. But is this coming from her? Like, you know, because her sister did sacrifice herself for the greater good to destroy a dreadnought. Right. But Finn Damn, sacrificing Mike. himself to, is not good. Well, because that's she doesn't want to though. lose him like she lost Paige. Oh, I didn't know that's why she's so hurt at the end that he would go so far. You're absolutely right. I watched this movie three times this week. <laughs> that is a good point. I didn't <laughs> think about that either. But movie, admit I it. think um, it could have maybe been done a little bit better. Like I, I think the Rose and Finn stuff is the weakest part of this movie. But the, I think mm-hmm. what they were trying to go for is that maybe Finn didn't need to sacrifice himself because there's other ways, but they didn't do a good, good job of explaining that. Like, you know, his, his sacrifice was unnecessary. Like they could have fought the first order anyway or something. It just kind of seems like Rose stops him from like taking out the big laser cannon that could have really helped if they took it out. And that and probably they both could have died in that crash at 300 miles an hour. Yeah. That's the thing is like, she crashes right into him. So, but I think maybe she's going off of what Leia, you know, what Leia has been teaching throughout the whole movie, which is like the, you know, it's not always the best to lose a bunch of lives. Like the the ends don't always justify the means. And maybe she's going off that as well. I was glad when she saved him because I, I just thought he was going to smash into it and die and accomplish nothing. I was like, what are you doing, man? That's not going to help. That's possible too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I didn't really want Finn to, to go out. I, I don't have a huge affinity for Finn, but it would have been a sad ending. As much as I like, uh, and we'll get there in a little bit, Kylo and Rey in this, I really liked Finn and Rey's dynamic in The Force Awakens. And it was a little bit of a bummer for him just to be tag team and like hanging out with uh, Rose the whole movie. At the end, they do reunite, and it's like a sweet moment. Um, so, I, so I do like that they finally... It's the whole movie. They're never in the same room. Well, so My favorite chemistry in The Force Awakens was between Poe and Finn. I was like, oh, oh man, true. The Force Awakens, they're going to be off There's on their own adventure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which, I thought I thought that was what something that I missed in The Force Awakens was continuation of that. And uh, I was looking forward to their buddy cop movie. Hey, so sorry to bring it up yeah. every time, guys. Did you guys watch the deleted scenes on this one? No. no. A lot of good intro stuff. I posted them in the notes. Check them out. Every scene should be should be included in the cut like they should not have gotten rid of any single one there's one in the intro adam where uh finn's getting ready to run okay he's still in his fucking awesome tube outfit we should talk about that medical tube suit that he wears Mm -hmm. Uh, and he comes out and poses like hey by the way here's your jacket your jacket and he shows there's stitches on the back where he got hit by the lightsaber and he says I'm not very good oh, at uh, sewing, but, uh, you know, I saved the galaxy and all, so no big deal. Puts his arm around him. It's like, these two should be oh, fucking. Man. Oh, man, that's great. I, I wish I, I got to see that scene. But my we would still be doing my recap if they put all the scenes back <laughs> in, I'm true, sure. Mike. Yeah. Do some. Um, any, anything else kind of with this? I, I Let's call it like kind of the military characters of this, because I think after this we can maybe shift over to the island perhaps, but um, 
Anything else on this front end? We do get Holdo taking over at a certain point, or do we want to uh, wait? Do you guys like uh, how I'd... he meets Rose? Because in my opinion, and this is just as we were talking about Finn as a character, I need a little bit of him being a stormtrooper in every movie, and I really hope we get that in Skywalker too. Like, if that was part of his character and that's what made him cool, fucking bring it up and use it in all the movies. And I like that when he meets Rose, she's doing what she does. She's a fucking maintenance lady who works at a very specific pipe thing. And then they figure it out at the end because they're both like engineers. Yeah, she's not so good at doing talking with uh, Resistance Heroes, is what she says, like doing talking. But um, I like that scene. It's cute because she's like heard the stories of these and she just works He's on the pipe on yeah. own to be face to face. Yeah, I like how she's like, oh, you're Finn, the Finn. He didn't even have a name in the last one, Jacob. Now he's the Finn. That's character growth. True. And then never meet your heroes, kids, because he's trying to be a deserter, and uh, she's got to stun him. Yeah. Right. Yep. But then they get out of their their harebrained plan for how to how to the tracker. Oh, works, let me you ask know, you so this real quick before we move on. Then, Adam, are you a Maz Kanata fan? Because we don't get a lot of her in this one. I hate her. We get a little bit of that hologram where I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's go ahead and cut that out frame by frame, and we'll just toss that out. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I don't understand why she shows up in this. It, it's confusing, um, and also clearly she's the biggest badass in the Star Wars universe. What is more important going on than this? Like, uh, maybe that's exactly the problem, is these 200 people are not worth anyone's attention. Maz is out there saving a much bigger portion of the she galaxy. She like a labor but dispute, I think. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I'm, that's Star I'm pro worker rights, so that's all good. Yep, yep. But no, I don't understand why, why or how they're able to just contact her up. And then she has the answers. She is there, you know. We're about ASX. to get in such and also she knows, territory. Yeah. She also knows yeah. exactly where the code breaker is going to be at that. Like, she just knows that he's on Canto Bite gambling. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's pretty stupid. She's an expedition dump. That's what she is in this movie. Also, that way we can roll out a new Maz Kanata toy. Right. Um, but yeah, it's just weird that, like, Finn's got her number when, like, they talked for, like, three minutes. I don't know, I guess they're homies now, but yeah, it's just an exposition dump to get us, oh, okay, you guys got to go to Canto Bite. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll get more on that later. I say we take a little trip on the Millennium Falcon, head over to Octu, but bless myself, and we'll talk about some of the other characters and events that are going on here, some training with a hermit next on The Last Jedi. We're back, normies. We just jumped out of hyperspace. But I gotta say, it seems like they might have light speed tracking on us now, especially if you're catching up to us. So we're gonna take a stop here. We're gonna hit Oct 2. Uh, I'm gonna take a big swig off of this green milk. Oh, that's... Ah. Sorry, that is straight from the sea monster, guys. I, ooh, that is strong. Delicious. Go away. Oh, sorry, we're Delicious. bumping into Hermit Mike here. Uh, he's living in a, in a little hut. Uh, it looks like he's got his spaceship as his door now. Uh, we'll give it a knock here. I said go away. Um, this is an interesting moment in Star Wars history because up to this point, every sequel 
has taken place like a couple of years after the previous films, right? This is literally picking up Anak 2 at the exact moment The Force Awakens ends, and we've not had that before. So, Adam, what do you think about this kind of as, again, an outlier in what we've seen? Well, I guess they had to pay that moment off. They they built it up so much in The Force Awakens, uh, but I don't... I don't dig it. I don't like I don't like that it flows right in. I like the gap where people get to write bad fiction in between. I get to think about all the adventures and growth these characters have already had. So and it, it also feels awkward to me. They have to replay a little bit of what happened in The Force Awakens and it comes, oh. you know, fifteen however many minutes into this film, it comes in and you're like, Oh, it's a little jarring. Um, I dare you, so I'm, Prince I'm a, Zizor is laughing at you saying bad fiction. Oh, oh, you know what? <laughs> I uh, in the the PC uh, Shadows of the Empire cutscenes, it's Prince Shizor. Oh no! Oh no! You've got me. <laughs> the glasses. I would never laugh at my prince. <laughs> no, he'd kill you if you did. Here's um, the thing. I. Um, you know, I can see where you're coming from, Adam, but I don't think every film needs to have like a, a year, like, you know, a span of time in between the movie. I kind of like how it, it flows right in from the, the last scene where we got the iconic pan around the island and then what's going to happen next. It's kind of a cliffhanger. Well, now we're about to find out. Um, That's I fair. I kind of like that. And, you know, we can let's talk about maybe the... Uh, it's a decisive moment, right? Yeah, divisive, yeah. Jacob. Well, I just want to say right off the top that a lot of the moments that people have, like, the biggest problems with in this movie are, like, some of my favorite moments. Like, you know, Leia Poppins, love it. L- Luke Whoa. being a grumpy old man <laughs> drinking alien titty milk. Give I love me more that. of that stuff, you know? Leia Poppins, and hard to defend. That, but are oh you talking gosh. about the lightsaber throw here? I've, I've seen people say, yes, oh, how the, dare you disrespect Anakin's lightsaber. No, because that's the whole point, was, is that Luke's opinion of, of, of the Jedi and, and of everything that's transpired over the last, you know, several decades, like, that's how he feels about the Jedi at that point. It's not just a, a scene that should be played for laughs. It's, a, it's, a, it's actually a serious moment that kind of gives you an idea of where Luke's psyche is at. I, I was trying to lead us, you know, from getting back to Act 2 to that moment. You all subverted my expectations, so thank you. Ryan would be proud. Uh, um, it's a little... I got laughs in my theater when he did oh, that. Yeah. And I was like, I Well, that's the thing is that I, don't know if I, I think that. people laughed at it, but I don't think it's meant to be played for laughs. I think actually it's 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 a little sh- it's shocking, but it's supposed to be shocking because it's like it's not what you're expecting Luke to do. You think Luke's this wise old Jedi, but but really he's still full of, you know, insecurities and doubts and he's just he's closed himself off from the force. And so of course he That's where I'm going to get into a mix of this uh, Mark Hamill stuff with you Jacob where I just think and I love it. I love it all, but I do think a lot of it is for laughs because he's so in touch of his instrument now since he was a voice artist for so long that you get a lot of like later the like well, well you know, uh, Jakku, yeah, that is nowhere where he's like where I'm like like you're so funny Mark Hamill like even his physicality in throwing the lightsaber over and walking past Past him, I'm like, all right, he's got it. Oh yeah, I think he's. I think he does a great job in this movie. But I, I just think that moment, like people thought, it's oh, it's just like the disrespecting it. the lights. Yeah, like there's a there's a good reason why he's just throwing that lightsaber. Like he doesn't want it. He doesn't want to remember, you know, everything that happened. And you know, she's kind of confronting him, forcing him to 
like she is expecting him to be like the old master Yoda role. And he's like actively doing everything he can to not be that role. So it makes sense. I, I'm of the camp that was really upset with the throwing of the lightsaber in uh, first couple of viewings. I didn't like, you know, the green titty milk. I didn't like Luke being kind of how he was. But after watching all these back to back to back for the show, um, I feel like it's fun to watch it and read it as if he's doing the Yoda thing where he's just testing her patience and just being this weird guy. I mean, I, it grew on me eventually, and I'm starting to really enjoy these scenes. Adam, how, how did you feel on first viewing versus current viewing? Uh, when that, that moment happened, him throwing the lightsaber, I was just so elated to finally see Mark Hamill on screen as Luke Skywalker. Uh, I'm a Mark Hamill fan, and I... You know, I definitely wasn't expecting it, but I had no, I laughed, but it was like a good laugh. And I was like, take me wherever. I just want to see more of him on screen, please. Let let it unfold, however. I'm happy to see him. And I love, I love all the, the Luke on the Island stuff in general. I like bad puppets and titty milk. I like grizzly Mark <laughs> Hamill. Uh, I was most afraid, my biggest fear going into this movie is that he was going to look bad, that his performance was going to look bad in this film. Um, because it can happen to the, the best actors in the world, and it, maybe if you haven't done a giant film as a main character in many years, like that's hard to pull off. That's a lot of stress. So for the most part, I enjoyed watching him uh, on the island. But was, truly the hermit stuff doesn't bug you, like the characterization either, Adam? Um, you know, I, it, it doesn't exactly fulfill my wildest dreams, uh, but it did, it, it made sense to me. Um, sometimes the, the jokes undercutting it bother me a little bit in the training sequences, like the thing where he does the leaf on the hand and oh, that's adorable. Like, though. Is a no, I, no, I, oh, I, I can that. feel it. I can that's feel it, master. He's like, oh, come on. Um, but hold on. You it, just hit the nail on the head, Adam. Because I, I want to hear from you and Mike, I'm not kidding, about this fantasy of what Luke Skywalker could have been. We've talked about all these films. Let's talk about, you know, this proposed future. If you think about it, I was watching it with this lens this time, guys. Luke Skywalker was entering his most stoic the last time we saw him, Return of the Jedi. He was basically not Luke Skywalker anymore. Luke Skywalker is a fun guy who wants to go on adventures. Return of the Jedi is about, no, put the past behind you. I'm a serious Jedi now. He could have continued down that path. He probably did. But what we see in The Last Jedi is that crazy, young, weird energy as a guy who's like, fuck Jedis. It's so weird to me. That's why I like it. But but what about you guys? Uh, Mike, where would you want him to go? You know, as a kid, you just want to see Luke Skywalker doing more Luke Skywalker badass adventures. But, you know, watching these again and again, as I said, it's like Luke is the cool Jedi guy, but that's not the only thing he is. He is, you know, never present. He's always worried about the future. I want to go to Tashi Station to pick up powder converters. If there's a star farthest from the center of the galaxy, you know, it's like he can be pessimistic and he can have a propensity to give up. Like it's imp you want the impossible, he says to Yoda in, in Empire. So I guess him giving into that darker side of himself when he failed Kylo makes sense to me now. I just had to watch seven movies in a row to, to understand. Um, Adam, do you have any thoughts I on that? Exactly I? three seconds of everything I ever wanted from him in this movie. And it's in Kylo's vision when he's uh, telling yeah. Ray. 
of how Luke, you know, betrayed me and he was going to kill me. When you see him standing with his lightsaber and he's got like the the Palpatine skin drip going on, that to me would have subverted my expectations to see the Luke that has turned over and gone full dark side or maybe has at least been that extreme of dark in the past and that's why he shut down. That's the Luke oh, I want. That would have been really up. cool too. I would have loved. Hey, Mara Jade will never get her buddy. So I'm with you. Oh man, I think Luke's portrayal in this. I think it's 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 perfect. It's perfect because the whole thing with with you know what he went through, you know, turning you know Darth Vader back to the good side. So he knows that you know no one's ever really gone. Which but he's forgotten over the years. So Ray has to come and remind him, raise the Luke to his Yoda, right? But but his but old grumpy old Luke, I think, is great. And it really fits into the character of what happens with, with old Jedi when they fail and they go into exile. We see it with Obi-Wan, we see it with Yoda. It's the same thing. He knows that he's just repeating the, the past mistakes of the Jedi Council, so he goes into exile, right? Do you think he would have been a good teacher, Jacob, growing up, you know, teaching other Jedi, a good teacher to Ben Solo, thinking about all the other movies that you saw with him? I think, yeah, I think he would have been, he, he tried. I mean, I just think, you know, with some people like Anakin and like now Kylo Ren, there's just that, that darkness that's in them and it's hard to stop. And, you know, Luke knew that the, the mistakes that the Jedi made with, with Anakin, so he tried to learn from that, but then, you know, he sees the darkness in Kylo and then he hesitates for that, that split second and thereby creating Kylo in a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. And I just think, um, you know, what this movie does with the idea of the Jedi and the Sith and the balance and the Force, I just think it's really good, really good stuff. Yeah, and as we reach the climax of the film, I, I agree. A lot of the redefining the boundaries of what the Force is, I, I enjoy a lot in yeah. this. And I think um, we can all agree Mark Hamill, he's a big part of that. old man Mark Hamill, does a great job. He, uh, think, I'm not scared like Adam was. Obviously, going into it, I was. But he looks good in this. We can talk about that. He's, oh, he, yeah. Lo- he got he his body like down. He looks great. Jedi. Yeah, and I think the, the one thing that we can all agree is that him, all three of the you know, the older, the main three from the old movies, they do great jobs both in this and The Force Awakens. And I think that's one thing we can all be happy about is that they all came back played the heck out of their roles and just really helped make these new movies what they are. Yeah. And, and early upon release, you know, Mark Hamill was not, um, self-censoring with his thoughts about the, the film and the direction they were taking Luke. He didn't really agree with a lot of the decisions. I guess he since walked some of those back, but regardless of what he thought, he was a full on professional and he acted the shit out of this movie, regardless of what his personal feelings were. So I give him full credit, man. Yeah. Great performance for Luke Skywalker. Again, I think he he may have had a different idea of what old Luke would have been like. And so it was kind of shocking probably for him to read the script. But I think once he kind of came to terms with what this movie is and what what his character was going to be, then he he accepted it and he did did a great job. We can say, though, as a guy who's about to turn 70, he was never going to be the physical star in this. There was never going to be seven duels with him at the lightsaber, dancing around, jumping over Kylo. And if they had, it would have looked like the Yoda fight, guys. It would have looked like insane CGI. Yeah, I think it's a good I think it's a good thing. I mean. You have Christopher Lee and like these old men fighting in the oh my prequels. God, it just Jacob. looks ridiculous. He would have been a Count Dooku too. You're totally right. Yeah. They wheeled a Dracula puppet out in front of him. Um, 
And any anything else we want to mention about Luke right now before we move on to uh, Ray for this season? I got a big one, and I just want to know your guys' opinion on it. And then I, I want to do an Alien watch because we got to get that from Jacob here quick. But uh, I want to do. Oh, we know oh, what we it do. is. No, it's the Porks. Um, really? I, my Jar Jar. I'm going to go ahead and spoil it for this episode. I'll bring it up again later. Is the weird transition that we have to do early on because JJ showed Luke in those ceremonial Jedi robes on the island. And then immediately when Ray gets there, he's like, no, no, I don't wear these clothes. I, I wear this dirty, filthy, like, you know, d- disgusting outfit. And then the second she leaves, he's like, no, 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 let me put my ceremonial robe back on. It's like, what are you embarrassed of old man? Just be a Jedi. That is true. And I just want to say like, like the green milk scene, like, if you don't think that's funny, like I don't know what to tell you. Like the look he makes after he drinks it he is so great. He loves colored milk. We know that about his character. We it know is that. true to him. He has a history. And like Mike was saying, he's it's kind pretty- of doing the uh the Yoda thing like, you know, when Yoda first meets Luke, he's he's, you know, he's like this weird creature. He's going through his food and everything and Luke I'll take you to Yoda eventually. Yeah. Just it's hold like on. He doesn't know what a droid thing. is. Yoda knows what droids are. <laughs> Right. He knows R2 He knows literally right. that then, droid, Mike. You're right. Are are you saying though that he always intended to train Ray and that he doesn't have that flip later in the movie? Because I'm conflicted no. on that. Yeah. Oh really? Mm. I would no, I, just think I would he wants say to. no. He never wanted to, right? No, he didn't want to. He nope. gave it a shot and then he's you know, obviously he sees the power of Ray and is is afraid of that. Right. Yeah, I might be reading too much into well, it. I think I just, it's he really wants her to get off his lawn. I think old Jedi just really like acting goofy and, and eccentric and like, <laughs> freaking people out. Can you imagine if Mace Windu had survived? No, man, I live on Bespin now. <laughs> this is my house. Get off my lawn. I'd be like, no, teach me the ways. You have a purple lightsaber. Mike taught me that's important. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, Adam, you were going to say something um, on that point? I just, if, if, that was part of the training sequence, the the pole vaulting and stabbing fish and all that. I do like that more as part of a training sequence. Um, but I like it already how it is. But I also it's just think a it's just. Odd. I also just think it's Luke's daily routine, and he just likes. Like I think old old Jedi just like a- acting off putting to newcomers to ca- try to like catch them off guard, see what they're all about. I think that's like a common thing with old Jedi. It's a good tactic. Yeah, right. Uh, again, this is a it's a parallel to Empire Strikes Back, uh, where a person from a desert planet goes to a soggier planet to be trained <laughs> oh by a hermit. Um, and there's a spaceship uh, there's a underwater. Soggier so. planet. My planet's so soggy. <laughs> yeah, it's just a little wetter. There's always water planets in the second act of these movies, you know, because you get uh, Camino, Camino, and uh, Dagobah, and then uh, Octu. Planet so. with some white they substance. Like poetry, on the they ground. rhyme. Yeah. Let's talk about Ray then, right? Um, she gets here just wanting him to come back to the, the Resistance. And he's like, who are you? The Resistance sent me. Well, why would they send you? What are you doing here? And then he's like, no, what are you doing here? Where are here? you from? And um, I need somebody to tell me my place in all The takeaway I want to present to all you guys is exactly what you guys were just talking about. Uh, literally the, you know, why does Luke take up training her? Is it because of this? Is it because of that? Guys, the answer is it's because of Rey. She is so eloquent in how she presents herself. Kylo failed you. I will not fail you. You're scared of this. Don't be scared of that. She has so much self-assurance, even though we know inside and literally through the movie that she's like, oh my God, I'm just filled with turmoil. I have no place in the world. Will anybody love me? 
Well, there is a scene where, when he's still denying her training, where he, he goes on the Millennium Falcon, R2-D2 boots up, and also plays back the message of Princess Leia. And he's like, oh, that was Supposedly, a Mike, J.J. Abrams has said that uh, R2, R2 says, what are you doing on this? Oh, I'm sorry, not to J.J. Abrams. Ryan Johnson said, what are you doing on this fucking island? Yeah. And that's why Luke says, hey, sacred island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, watch your language. Yeah, which I like that scene. That was like the most like Return of the Jedi, like Luke, you know, like if him and R2 was like, oh, yeah, that's like. That's and like then there's a scene where Chewbacca comes in and he's like, wait, where's Han? It, that right, right when they arrive. Uh, that's that's peak performance, Hamill there, and maybe that's some of Mark Hamill's. Like, I wish I was doing the movie I wanted to do yeah, coming agreed. out. I want but, uh, more. Of I that, really but... buy that. Yeah, but I think so. Luke's reluctance to train Ray. I think he's walking a very fine line because he knows she needs a teacher, and she he she doesn't want her to fall into the dark side like Kylo Ren did. So he knows that she needs some kind of guidance, but he doesn't want to be the one to do it because he, he's made the mistakes before, but he, he doesn't really have another choice. So he's like, okay, I'll try to train you. Then he gets you know scared of her power and stuff. So it's a very fine line that he's trying to walk. And then what do we think about Ray kind of, you know, exploring the force before Luke begins a trainer, and he, he finally does, and she goes you straight go, to the dark, and he was going to show dark. me something. Uh, I watched Shazam recently. I couldn't, it offered I couldn't help you something, but think of yeah. that, where they're doing the, the trials of the chosen one. Will you be just? You went straight to the bad thing. Why did you do that? And everybody's like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I found that very, you know, it's like Ray does it because it's the thing to explore. There is a darkness inside her. Who wouldn't want to shed light on that? She exactly. wanted the answer. And it's almost like he's mm-hmm. seeing parallels of either himself or maybe Anakin where Ooh, like, Vader. you know, that Skywalker blood where they're kind of pulled to the dark side, Anakin especially. And so, yeah, he just gets, he just gets really scared of how quickly she, and she's like, no, they're calling me. They want to show me like my parents. And like, obviously that's her biggest, you know, weakness is that she can't let her, her parents go. She's, she's still waiting for them. And again, there's a lot of parallels with family dynamics and, and Anakin, you know, his whole fucked up fantasy, you know, um, family life and everything. So very interesting. I think Kylo went down the same seaweed hole. That's. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. He went deep at the same island. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they've been in that same cave. They're, they're really, I mean, they feel like brother and sister, the, the two of them. Uh, maybe with some some sexual tension thrown in, but that's not new like to Luke Star Wars. <laughs> I lost Jaina and Jace. That's very true. Definitely appropriate. Yeah. And even uh, you know, Padme and Anakin had like some weirdness early <laughs> on when he was a child. So Star Wars isn't Star Wars without right. some weird, I, uncomfortable. I stuff. like seeing her pulled to the dark. I like that she's not afraid of it, especially because she's so good at conveying like purity. Um. I like that she's willing to go to Harry Potter caves and dive into the dark. <laughs> Can we talk about the metaphor? Absolutely. What's interesting here? Yeah, I know. It's well, um, you know, we have a hero who's supposed to be our, our good guy, you know, a good girl, right? And she's battling with being pulled to the darkness. Meanwhile, our villain in Kylo Ren is battling with being pulled back to the light. And that's an interesting dynamic that, that they've set up with this movie. And I'll give Ryan credit yeah, for I that. Yeah, I agree. I like how they're kind of like rising their power levels are rising. They're like equals on opposite sides and they're, they're rising concurrently. And, and even Snoke brings that rises up. rises to meet it. Right. 
But I even think Snoke was wrong because I don't think Kylo Ren and Rey are necessarily dark and light. I think they're both, you know, sort of in the middle. They're those gray Jedi, right? And Can I, I ask the question about this then? They're on a pulley um, system. When he does say that uh, there was a, a lack in the Force and, and that uh, Rey filled that void, and obviously that might even be the thesis of The Force Awakens. Can I ask you guys, uh, and I'll, I'll start with Adam, uh, do you think the absence of the Force is Luke Skywalker turning off his connection or Ben Solo going to the dark side? Ooh, maybe the combination of both makes her doubly powerful. Um, I that What this movie makes me wonder more is if she, if Rey wasn't there to fill that void created by, I would assume, uh, Ben going to the darkness. Although I guess he's not that powerful. I don't know. He can stop laser bolts. He's powerful. Yeah. Is what would happen if it weren't concentrated in a Jedi? If Rey doesn't get trained, does that just mean we get some really cool X-Wing pilots who like, or you know, who are force sensitive? Or uh, does it have to be uh, the boy grabbing the broom with the force? Oh. You know, we we may Kinda already have one me. of those X-Wing pilots. We may already have one of those stormtroopers with trace amounts of force manifesting in them. We don't yeah. we don't know. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll find out more later. That is a fascinating idea. And like I said, I like how they open up. Uh, the ideas of the guys all froze for me. I think. Um, do we want to then talk quickly Kylo then and kind of where he's getting set up? Because meanwhile, Luke is refusing to train Ray. Kylo's getting called a child in a mask. He's getting berated. And now he's having his faith question on his side. So like they're, they're balanced on this pendulum, just on opposite sides where he's like, you know, I'm not going to kill my mom. Like I'm being pulled to the light. again. I'm going to wear my little metal bandage. Yeah, I, I think it's awesome. I love anything with Ray yes. and Kylo in this, and their little text messaging sessions are incredible, and well, it just incredible. adds so much to it, because they're both, that, their instructors are not no, fulfilling their needs. They have to connect needs. with each other, and yeah. you know, uh, regardless of what mm-hmm. you guys think of the content of this film, I know you guys are all filmmaking fans of technique and craft and all that stuff, this is it, guys. Using cross-cutting the most basic film technique of all time to literally be like, oh, you know, like Battleship Potemkin, oh, things are falling down the stairs, now cross-cut to something else, to literally be like, okay, we'll have a conversation where the people are talking to each other off-screen, and that will be the point of the narrative flow, too, and it will be powerful and interesting and a power we've never seen before with vulnerability mixed in. I mean, it's... The fucking best thing on the planet. I love it, guys. Every one of those scenes is incredible. Another great thing about those kind of cross-cutting conversations is the way, like I said, Snoke's not helping Kylo in a beneficial way for him. Luke is not helping Ray in a beneficial way, so they're reaching out to each other. And yeah, the water droplets start to coalesce, and they're, you could just visually they're showing how much closer they're becoming, and Luke is not having any of it uh, once he finds out. Yeah, it's like getting caught by your parents when you're making out for the first time. Exactly. That's that tension you were alluding to, right? It's like, whoa, uh-huh. what, what are you doing in your room, huh? You got to keep the door open. <laughs> it's like strange. Yeah, things. again, I, I love this, this Ray-Kylo Ren connection. Like, I feel like this is some of the best stuff in the whole movie. And like that scene where Luke walks in on him and then Ray starts fighting him with a stick and then... She kind of escalates. She, she, you know, force grabs a lightsaber and almost hits him. Like that's such a great scene and and so well acted between them too. Like I, I love all that stuff. Even when she fires the blaster at him, like Ray shot first, right, and shoots the hole in the uh, bastard, right, the building. Yeah, man, he killed Han Solo. <laughs> and the, 
You're a monster. And there's that weird. It's one of my favorite things in the movie when there's that weird music comes up and it's just all these strange cuts of the the creatures that are suddenly creepy on the island, like this oh, yeah. dissonant. Like mm. <laughs> I really like that. Uh, I, I love all the the Kylo Ray crosscut stuff. It's yeah, great. that stuff's so good and so well acted. And like, there's such a chemistry between such those a two chemistry. I know that though. like shipping is a bad thing, and that like Raylo, blah 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 blah. But guys, I wouldn't say it's bad. It, it is a bad thing. Name a scene in movies in the past five years that is sexier. Uh, yeah, I apologize, guys. I have to bring this up. <laughs> then Ray in that little cabin, sitting defeated. She's just listing out her problems again. She's soaking wet. Adam Driver next to her. He's only vulnerable. Like he's just listening to her. And then they finally put out their hands to touch. I mean, that's all it is. But it is fucking palpable. You could I love it. And yeah, I, I would say what's sexier than. Uh, Kylo wearing some, you know, waist-high pants shirtless. Yeah, yeah that's Kylo true. and his waiters is sexier. But yeah, you could tell they're just, they have such a need for a connection to something that maybe neither of them really understands. And they, they don't know where they can get it. They're looked for it, but they still haven't found Only it. Only from each other, Mike. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and then she... That is... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was. That's another moment where the comedy kills some tension for me. As you know, uh, I I don't... I don't like people finding excuses to have people shirtless in films. I think that's weird, too. But <laughs> if you're going to have that scene, I don't need this one off-tone moment of Ray going, well, why don't you put, like, what did she say? I think a she says tuna cow. Cow. She says, yeah, do you have a, a stupid Jedi robe? <laughs> like, it's so <laughs> specific to, like, we get it. Yeah, to bad guys, like, right. You're a bad guy, Kate. But I wonder if yeah. Kylo wanted her to see him shirtless or something. Like he's like, no, they can't control purpose. when it That's is. on the fanfic, dog. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I ship it. Okay, I'm a Raylo supporter. I think I think Emperor Palpatine wanted her to see him yeah. in his right his peck, pecks out. <laughs> yeah. That's how you're right. really gonna tempt her to the dark side. <laughs> pecks out. We got, we got thick boys on the dark side. But some of the content of these conversations, right, is like. He's like, why, why did you do it? And he's like, say it. You know, why did you kill Han Solo? And he's like, you know, all you think about is your parents. It's your greatest weakness, right? I'm moving past that shit. I'm going to be me. And it's like, Jesus the Christ, past man. He's very past open. Time. He's always yeah. honest. Literally, what did you do? I killed Han Solo. Well, okay, uh, what should I do? Well, let the past die. You know, who cares? Okay, well, you know, like every question he's answering, what happened to you? I'll tell you exactly how it was from my point of view. This old man turned on a lightsaber on top of me. I got very scared and I crushed him with the force. I am powerful. People are scared of my power. That's what he believes. Scared of you too. Luke senses the same darkness in you, he tells her. Right, but then as we also know, he's still pulled by the light because he still can't bring himself to kill his mother when he has the chance to. And so he's, he's still got that confliction and also, you know, um, well, you know, the other part is when, you know, she tells Luke, like, I saw his future. He'll turn to the light side if I go. And then when they're on the elevator, he says, I saw something, too. You'll turn to the dark side. Right. They both see each other turn. And there's also parallels to, you know, Luke thinking he can turn Vader and Yoda's Yoda's and sitting there telling him, no, don't. And Obi-Wan's force ghost is telling him, don't. And he does it anyway, and then we see Ray doing the same thing, and then Luke's telling him not to, 
No, yeah. you're not tuned. She still goes. So in both Return of the Jedi and uh, Empire Strikes Back, he, he leaves before they think he's ready. You know, um, exactly. And she does the same thing. Uh, Jedi are not good at getting people to do what they expect. Oh, right. And then also, you know, when we see the we see uh, Kylo's side of the story of what happened with Luke, we know that both of those flashbacks are are sort of exaggerations, and really the truth is somewhere in the middle. So I think that's kind of interesting as well. Hmm. Which maybe the truth about the Force is somewhere in between what we've been led to believe oh, for Mike. seven movies. Wow. Has there been a good Bef- Padawan, guys? I mean, has everyone failed him? I guess Obi Wan is the best case, but even he retreats in defeat and failure. Ahsoka Tano is the greatest Padawan. Oh uh, yeah, I guess she so. had to leave the Jedi Order, right? Yeah, so. she gets exiled. It seems like every. You know, every good Jedi, they realize at some point, like, the Jedi Order has flaws. Yeah, and, and you're kind of, kind of too good it. to be a Jedi if you are a good Jedi. Like, I, I just wouldn't want you to be a part of it, is basically what they end up saying. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then Yoda ends up showing up after Rey leaves. Luke's going to burn down the Jedi books. Like, yeah, fuck all this. And then uh, Yoda uses some Sith lightning, which is like, Okay, I guess we're just we're all playing with all sides of the force now, which is like opening <laughs> well, up. I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's necessarily Sith lightning because when Palpatine does, he shoots oh, yeah. it out of his hands. Yoda just makes natural lightning come down. He like a manipulating lightning, down, sure. But the ghosts yeah. can affect stuff now. We will learn later if you want to talk about just crazy force powers. It must take a great amount of power to do the force projecting because even even Ben Solo says, you don't have the power to do this, you know, if you, if you were the one trying to bridge this, this isn't connection. You. This isn't you. We find out it's Snoke. We later right. find out Mark Hamill can use the same ability to send himself. But can that ghost physically interact? He hands the dice to Leia. So is that the ghost with the lightning, the ghost with the dice? Force ghost can and interact? Then the dice end up being a hologram too. Oh, they disappear too? I have an too? issue with that. They disappear oh, in Kylo's really hands. That. Right. Yeah, after Luke dies, but we'll get to that point. He set I think a timer Yoda. Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. I don't he like that. He set a force timer. <laughs> it's in that book that Ryan Johnson tweeted. <laughs> That's right. Yoda is so powerful that he, even as a force ghost, he can manipulate the That, I well. believe. But I like that this Yoda thing, um, it's a puppet. It's a weird looking puppet, right? But I like that <laughs> now Yoda, too, is like. You know what? Yeah, we really let Anakin down. We pretty much told him, you're not good enough his whole life, right? We created Darth Vader. Maybe I should just burn the tree down because, yeah, we really fucked up. So it's like almost Yoda trying to redeem the actions of the prequel Jedi Order. Right, and then we have Luke about to burn it down. He hesitates, and then Yoda says, fuck it. You know, Do or do not. Right, and then he even says, of course, you know, Rey does not have anything that like that that does not contain anything that she does not already possess which i think is also an open ended statement because does yoda know that she took the the jedi books or not mm. i mean it could work eh. either way you know knowing if he knew that she took them she literally took them yeah i think he's sense, a part of you know? her as he's a part of all jedi adam yeah. th- thoughts on the burning of the jedi tree and you know indiana jones would be pissed about that just setting those beating me to it <laughs> I, I just I, I've said uh, in the past I'm not a fan of force ghosts I, I get that they're part of Star Wars so I can't complain but man the scene seems it's so long to me it's a very long like kind of heavy tough to penetrate dialogue scene that's like deep in the lore and I'm just it's too much for me. I'm like, let's keep let's keep moving. 
so much of this movie is taking me out of the pacing of this space chase. And uh, oh, I, so it kind of I forgot that out, was even honestly. going on in the background, Adam. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I have to disagree. I, th- I think this is one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Well, speaking of pacing, maybe we should move on to probably one of the biggest fucking anchors dragging this boat down uh, after this. We're going to be talking Canto Bite and the side quest to retrieve the code breaker. <laughs> Up next. <laughs> We're back, normies. Get ready to canto bite our asses because we are hitting the casino. This is the worst place in the world, a hive of scum and villainy. Oh, no, 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 that's not right. But it is full of bad people because they're rich. Uh, we're going, we're hitting canto bite, guys. So um, we were just talking Mark Hamill. A little fact here. Did you guys know the alien who jams the coins in BB-8 is voiced by Mark Hamill? He, he got to do a little alien. He was like, yeah, Ryan, I, w- I want to do some mm. voice work. Obviously, that's what I do now. Can you toss me an alien? Little Pretty monocle cool. guy? Yeah. And I didn't know that. I didn't like any. Ooh, Jacob. Alien Watch, does he make it? <laughs> I mean, I was thinking, I was considering him, um, but I don't know if he's my favorite you know, should I should I give it hit now? us, please, right now? It's Justin <laughs> Thoreau as the well, master code breaker. You love him and his you mustache. Know, little, <laughs> little monocle guy, you know, he's gotta be an honorable mention, but you know what? It's it's not gonna be an alien this time for me. It's gonna be a droid. I'm talking about evil BB eight. Oh, oh BB hate? Okay. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> interesting that you would lean to the evilest little droid. <laughs> I think I really like uh parking snitch alien <laughs> oh uh, mike another cameo so ryan johnson obviously got his uh, big break from brick that was his uh, earliest film starring joseph gordon levitt joseph gordon levitt has done a voice or a performance in every one of his films that is joseph gordon levitt well i told him not oh. to park there again why would that guy why would that guy have like a texan cowboy accent who knows <laughs> but it's great mike yeah uh, that was great we have british so i guess i guess Cantobite is a great scene, great sequence, and the yeah, best there's some good Star alien Wars has to All right, well, we talked about it. Great. Bye, normies. Oh, no, <laughs> we're still here. Next week. I, well, think, I think there is some good alien designs in, in this. Do you like, like the horses? Like I do like the horse. The giant dog horse things, I like them. Not my yeah. favorite. It, it's, it's, Star Wars has never dealt with issues like capitalism or war profiteering, like things that affect our lives. Like Star Wars A New Hope was... You know, um, King Arthur in space, right? It were larger than life kind of mythos and archetypes, right? But now we're getting into like socioeconomic issues, which feels like, is that Star Wars? It is now. I love, I love that shit. Like, you know, it has to evolve. Yeah. Like, I think like as much as I like the original series, it's a little simplistic, you know, you got, you got the good guys, you got the bad guys, blah, blah, blah. I like that this kind of takes a more, you know, nuanced approach where it's like, you know, we got these war profiteers, and then later, you know, with Benicio del Toro, we see like, oh, they're selling to the bad guys and the good. So, you know, it, I just I love that stuff, and like to me, it is Star Wars because like in the prequels, you got you know people talking about taxation routes and stuff. So like, if that's in that Star Wars, why can't this too. be in Star Wars? That's true. That's true. Adam, what's what's your first kind of impressions of Canto Bite? Um, 
I mean, it, for for me, it is just an excuse to teach me more moral lessons, or just to even put them out there. I don't feel like I learn anything from it, and it 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 hurts my suspension of disbelief because I do like my Star Wars dumb and simple. Like mm-hmm. I like it as pure escapism, unless it's like sure, give me the the side story where this is the full focus of a film movie about the military industrial complex. I'm mm-hmm. down. But inside of this, I'm just like, wait, what are we doing? We're playing with with Star Wars in this huge, like ridiculous uh, you know, set piece. It just feels clumsy to me. And it's essentially a fetch quest to just retrieve the code breaker and then come back to the main mission. Um, right. Well, here, here's the other thing I would say about it to defend Canto Bite for a second. The thing is, like, every star, almost every Star Wars movie has some, like, dumb bullshit that's, like, in there just for the kids. And, like, this is, like, o- very obviously for kids. And I think, you know, it didn't bore me. Like, it held my attention. I don't think it's the worst, like, silly nonsense that we've had in a star wars movie so i just have to defend it i think if you're if you're a kid going to see this movie i would be very entertained and it's got a good message too like you know you know war profiteering is bad like yeah fuck the rich like that's a good lesson to teach kids so i'm very for it (laughs) oh yeah it is well here's the thing when you tear up rich people's shit right who has to clean it up those fucking kids so you just I'm put saying, 16 those, weeks of labor for those kids on them. Horse dogs are getting recaptured, too. There's no way they well, are just flying over. That. And then <laughs> that big red that. guy's going to yell at them and beat them. <laughs> Herpes Animal face? abuse is bad. That's another there good gonna, lesson. <laughs> he's going to brand them with the rebel emblem ring. Um, yeah. They're going to learn to hate it and join the First Order. Here's something I, I honestly have. love that stuff with the kids. And kid, kid with the force at the end, like I love that shit. Like it's, it's a so perfect good. ending, guys. It's he doesn't know how hell. to sweep. No. <laughs> he doesn't even. He no, doesn't he's not even very good at sweep. it. But he's good at the it force. Is Disney. I do not want the Sorcerer's Apprentice in my <laughs> Star Wars. I, I, I can totally agree with everything you're saying, Jacob. I think that's valid, and we're just on different sides. The thing that does bother me, though, I, the thing that bothers me the most and I feel like hurts the movie, is how are they off on this separate adventure? It's so They're so separate from the death of their rebellion. They fly away, they go have this adventure, have enough time to have tea and talk about how rough it is, you know, mm-hmm. uh, on this planet. Why not? Why aren't you just shipping people on and off of the rebellion ships? That's all I could think about. And that the whole gets to the technological watching. issues where they're like, "Okay, we'll call Maz Kanata so we can make phone calls." Okay, Rose and Finn can take off in their own spaceship. We're still doing our thing. Okay, they can have an entire adventure on a planet that must take hours. Their ship gets impounded. They meet somebody else. Oh, you're not the right guy. He's the right guy. Okay, yeah, come with us. Oh, let's take a stop at uh, a first order ship. Okay, now we'll mm-hmm. run back to our ship. I'm with you, man. That's a lot of like, like, time is so well, wonky in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Again, I no, think, no time to play. I, I just space you gotta chess. accept it. <laughs> I agree, but again, I think we're just getting bogged down too much in the specifics of, you know, all the the ships and stuff. And I understand, like, if that's that's, uh, you know. A big selling point for you, but for me, I don't really care about any of that. I just like, you know, the overall themes, what the characters are going through. Like to me, the the plot is just a way for characters to get to, you know, point A to point B. And I don't want to get necessarily so bogged down in the specifics of of time and stuff. Like I understand there might be some plot holes, but to me, it still works anyways. 
Well, it feels like a little bit contradictory to your previous statement where it's like I, I like when my Star Wars is a little bit more nuanced, right? And if they're going to be dealing with fuel consumption and the amount of time they have to keep escaping, and then there's this other journey that happens with no sense of how much time it takes regardless of the main conflict, now we're creating two different kind of rule sets where the main story is following one set and the side story is following another. And that, I think, is right. an issue in the narrative. I guess for me, like I like nuance in the characters and the themes. I'm not so much caring about the, you know, the is this realistic? Details. Yeah, it's like, you know, I understand like not a, it might not be realistic. Like the time difference might not make sense, but I'm willing to forgive that and like look past it. And I can you go ahead and okay. assume things like the Octu stuff with Ray? Is that all occurring while Finn is in his coma? Like, have we not even reached up to current time at that point? Yeah, that's the other thing yeah, is I don't I think, think, think necessarily fair. that the film is just in chronological order. Like I think it you know, can't be. Yeah, like I think a no, lot of that truly it, stuff it cannot be. Yeah, because yeah. how did they get to that new base and are now evacuating it? Meanwhile, Ray has just been holding her arm out for six months, right? Well, I mean, and Ray right. literally, we see the sun up and go up and go down. Like she's experiencing days and nights. You know, it cannot yeah. be like okay, but let's run to the Kentabite uh, stable. We've only got you know uh, four more days to get this done. It's like no, that cruiser is running out of steam in an hour. Dot dot dot. Yeah, Which is interesting, really though, because Ray is, on, or sorry, Kylo is on a set timeline, because he he is there dealing, or is he not? Is he not on? Oh, the first but with the shooting with attack? the mom, Adam, that's a very interesting question. Getting yelled at by Snoke, trying to blow up his mom, kind of just yeah. getting yelled at and getting quote unquote cucked again. If you think about it, Hux was it, there, yeah. Yeah, he was there. Adam Driver's performance in this is very interesting because I would have given him the best supporting Oscar this year because I do think his performance as Kylo Ren is that great. But he's not active. He's not the star of this. He's not the driving force. He is supporting Ray's story. But, he, you know, to a little bit, I think it's both their story because he has that line of thing. I've given you everything I have. Like, he's so dejected, uh, right? I don't know. Mike, I would call Ray and Finn the leads of this film in particular. Hmm. I think Poe is more of a lead than Finn, Ooh. but that's probably because I don't. I don't think that this plot point matters because at the end of the day, they fail, end up back on their ship, and we're right back to where we started. Right, um, which I think is the whole point of the failure. The best teacher is. I do want to point out this is another parallel to Empire Strikes Back, where our side characters go on an adventure to a more affluent planet, where they meet a scoundrel who offers to help yet sells them uh, out to the enemy. Mike, and that scoundrel becomes lovable. So, do you guys like Don't Join, portrayed by Benicio del Toro, probably I... doing the closest to his usual sp- suspects performance? You know, with the the mumbling and the weird stuttering that he I does. Like do, do you like it? I do like DJ. I like Benicio del Toro in this a lot. Like, I don't necessarily think all the Cantobite, like the whole plan, like whatever. But his character per- performance is great, and his whole like yeah don't join ideology like actually makes a lot of sense because he points out that you know these same war profiteers are selling x-wings to the rebels or whatever so yeah i like him and it Adam, also subverts like our expectations because um he's like if you want to say he's the lando of this movie it subverts your expectations because he doesn't end up um redeeming himself as a good guy he just betrays them and then fucks off and i like that too it's it's a novel way to do it maybe um, I, I do like the character. Um, you know, I, I, I liked him when I was watching it. I, I, it's a little bit cheesy to me that, you know, like I told you not to trust anybody, didn't I? Like, you know, that character <laughs> shows up, he shows up in solo. Like yeah. he's, 
He is a, a trope. That's true. Uh, I, mean, but I just think I think I like tropes. Probably yeah. people were expecting him to eventually come out on the side of the good guys, and when he doesn't, I think that's like an interesting way to do it. He gives back the Haitian smelt, you know. Yeah, like, you see, he has a little bit of a heart. Smelt, Mike, you did watch this three times. <laughs> Literally, good right before steel. Haitian smelt. Good, good, good conductor. I, I liked. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, you know, well versed enough in in political correctness to know what it is to have a character who stutters in a film. Oh yeah, we won't even open that can of worms. I can't open it, but I when I saw it, I was like, I don't know, this is cool. It's cool to have a character who has a stutter and that's it's not different. like drawing attention to it all. And he's also like cool. <laughs> like Yeah. Yeah. So And I also I think like neck. you know, some people complain like, oh, they they needed this like specific code breaker and then he happens to just be able to do it. But I think also he's kind of selling himself like he's a con man, right? And he's kind of selling himself as as better than he is to Rose and Finn, where he's like, "Yeah, I can, I can do that." Would can- Justin Thoreau have used the same space lock picks, Jacob? Is that how that technology works? <laughs> you slot in a little thing and go, "Okay, there we go, we're in." Whoop. It's about yeah, the same thing R two D two does when he just jams little. You're parts right. That is exactly what he fucking <laughs> well, what does. A, what about BB eight shooting coins? The what do you worst moment. Oh, I, I said last episode, <laughs> Adam, I- that BB 8s maybe one of the best characters, and that for sure he's the best droid. This movie just throws all that away where they give him a fucking R2 burning droids moment where I'm like, no. <laughs> he blows the smoke off of the gun at the end. Oh, it's that fucking d- dumb. Yeah, him shooting <laughs> coins definitely feels very prequels. Like, that's something that would have yeah. happened in the prequels. Yeah, R2's jetpack kind of thing. But yeah, later all, on, all when he's. Canto bite, really. When he's it's piloting the. Prequels, the uh, yeah. yeah, it's very prequels. But when the BB-8 is later on piloting the ATST, I didn't have a problem with that because uh, that's something I believable. Where he's a robot, he can control it using his robot controls. Right? I hate that too, though. It's just well, oh, I know. Man. He's, he's saving the day. He's coming in. Uh, that's, that's prequel level R two D two. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but again, I think that's very it's for much kids, for the though. kids. Yeah, if I was a kid, I would have loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chrome Dome. Thoughts on Chrome Dome while we're over here? Oh, my least favorite. Get her out of here. (laughs) Such a such a buster. There's a deleted scene where she's confronting Finn right after the whole battle's happening, and he says, "You're the one who took down the shields of Star Killer Base. It's your fault." And then her troopers that are with her are starting to look like they're going to turn on her. Like, "Oh, you you fucking traitor!" Right? And she just shoots them all real quick to show Mm. that she's like self preservation motivated. Right? And they deleted that, but that would have been a way cooler. Put everyone like, of builds them back her character. In, yeah, so. But why that's would the they? I did see. Believe Finn over her though, like the troops. Well, they because just kind of tortured him. <laughs> she. Uh, yeah. She's awful to him. That's yeah, true. And they probably found her in a trash compactor. I. So, yeah, I don't have a lot of stuff. thoughts about Captain Phasma. I think she's. But just But what fine. do you guys like, think about seeing the eye? Is it important to you, Jacob, that she is a white lady under that outfit? You know, for all the speculation, <laughs> obviously not important to you, but for all the speculation everybody had, where they were like, "Oh, she'll have gills, she'll have fins," blah blah blah. And Ryan Johnson has said, "Look, gills. I had she Gwendolyn had Christie, thing. you know, <laughs> with those beautiful eyes. There she was. I just thought, what a hoot it would be if after all that, you just see it's just her in there." Yeah, I do like that moment where you see her eye and then you think maybe she'll say something like human and then she just says, oh, you were always scum. And then she dies. <laughs> Rebel scum. Um, 
I'll save this for the wrap-up segment. Don't worry, I'll, I'll put a pin in it. Um, I, I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, Finn does get his comeuppance, you know. She calls him a traitor, you know. That's a, that's a trigger word for him, so. Yeah, they get he gets to down. use the weapon that he fought against in the last movie, that, like, anti-lightsaber staff mm-hmm. that the Stormtroopers have now, apparently. I really yeah, like this so. line that Don't, Don't Join uses here, where he says, you know, after he gets paid off, hey, yeah, they got you today. You'll blow them up tomorrow. Like, that's great. His yeah, philosophy exactly. truly is just, just like, yeah, exactly. None of this matters. It is It is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, like, to a T. It's that, that like, don't worry, kid. Like, here's a hat. Here's my yeah. hat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't worry, he, to River me, Phoenix, he's exactly you'll like, OD. <laughs> honestly, he, to Ouch. me, is like what Harrison, like what Han Solo or Lando would be if they didn't, you know, if they weren't turned by, by joining the yeah. rebels, like they're just, he really is just a, you know, just looking out for himself. Scoundrel, can quote unquote. The galaxy. We yeah. got caught. I cut a deal. The end, right? The, the big explosion fight scene on the collapsing ship though. This is, this is the part of the movie. I have the biggest problem with how it looks like it is such a CG multi-million a dollar screen. mess of wires and explosions. And I just, I don't believe it. Like I, I don't feel like they're standing on solid ground at any point, especially when BB eight comes trotting over in the, the upgraded chicken Walker, which is another prequel kind of feeling thing, right? It is a yeah. little bit, but he's a droid. So it, it, it's believable that he can control machinery. Not the control is just the way it looks visually. It is very busy in CG. It's almost transformery in a way. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, it's There's not just the a part, lot of right? depth of field. There's a lot of shots of Finn where you're just like from him, like, you know, a medium shot from from the chest up where he's just like looking past. And you just see a lot of like the open space behind him, wreckage, fire in the foreground where I'm like, but all of that is fake. Everything engaging and surrounding him in the frame is just fake. But. You know, ignoring kind of this this technique stuff, what does this mean for his character? And this is the moment where he, I mean, I hate using rebel scum because, well, what the fuck's the resistance then? Why don't we pick one of the other people? Resistance scum. But he's the one who calls himself rebel scum. So he is officially now on team resistance where before he was just like, I'm on team, where is Ray? So he finally joins the cause in that moment. So he does kind of get an arc fulfilling, you know, statement there. Yeah. One thing I wanted to say about the scene as well, not only is the CG a little much, I also think this is one moment where I really feel like it does get into that kind of Marvel feeling where like Finn and Rose are like about to be executed. Like they're so close to like imminent peril. And then they kind of just like, I don't feel the, like the weight of like what's actually happening. Like they kind of just blow it off. Like they're not taking anything seriously. And like that to me gets into that, like, like in Mar in like Marvel movies, it makes sense they're superheroes. They can you know go through a lot, but like Finn and Rose are just normal people, and they're on this exploding ship, and like they could die oh, at any moment. They very seem seem very blasé about it all. So that's not my favorite part of the movie for sure. I could feel the plot armor burning through the screen. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm not exactly. really worried about them. Right. Yeah, it doesn't feel like there's real stakes in this scene. 
with the way they act. Well, this is a moment but I, I never like paid Phil- attention to where, and sorry to interrupt you, but where Hux literally says, oh, and we've got you now. And, you know, bef- before all of the explosions start, we've got you. And we see now that the transports are giving away these uh, small escape pods. Fire on the escape pods. And Finn, Ra- Finn, and, uh, paid, or Finn and Rose go, no, 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 no. Where you realize if they hadn't gone on this entire adventure, none of that would have fucking happened. Those people exactly, who die exactly. on those transports, it is because of Finn, Poe, and Rose. I mean, that's insane. Right. And that's exactly what Leia and Holdo were, say, like, were saying the whole time. In and Poe is just so impatient and so reckless that he has to concoct this whole crazy plan that not only fails, it actually hurts them more than if they hadn't done it. Which is kind of, you know, goes back to the whole message of the whole film. You tell me a stormtrooper and a who what are going where to do what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so it does like lend credence to the lesson they were trying to teach them. Like, if you just go fuck around and do whatever you think is best all the time, sometimes it might not go the way you think. Exactly. And Holdo did have a plan. And if that other plan hadn't have happened, um, I think what the film is saying is that you know, you can argue that, oh, they still would have saw the transports or whatever, but I, we don't know that for sure. And I think they would have got away with it. So I would have at least told the plan to upper management or middle management, please. But he's not, like, a, but he just got demoted for not following orders from commander to captain, right? So why should she feel the need to tell him the plan? Well, if you know he's going to fly off the handle, maybe uh, just anticipate that a little bit as a uh, strategist would. She calls him a flyboy. Maybe. Yeah, you got He's you got a hundred people left. You got to worry about personal politics more than just military structure at that point. I feel like the first order can afford to operate like but that, right? The resistance can't. That's true. That's what it's right. all about. I, I have less problems with Holdo's tactics than. <laughs> Hold on, I need to hear that. I, it's the first order's tactics that bother me the most. Like, man, Kylo was so cool in that Tie Fighter. Just take down the whole the whole resistance in that Tie no. Fighter, man. <laughs> like, when they call him back, he did spinning. That was a cool yeah, trick. Yeah, seems it was like a very he could. Cool oh, trick. damn you, Mike! Like his grandfather before him, man. He was barrel rolling the shit out of that thing. Yeah, but the way Tie I understand it, I think their shields are too strong on their main ship for a Tie Fighter to blow up. So they have to. The only thing that they can do, and they can't, is to follow them, and they can't. You know, they're staying just out of range, so the big ships can't get them, but the little ships aren't powerful enough to go through their shields. So Here's the problem. I literally watched them drop out of hyperspace right behind the ship. You see where they're going. You see how fast they're going. You could do a quick math and be like, okay, let's take half of these Star Destroyers, hyperspace them in front of them, and now they're surrounded and they can't go forward. Like, they have plenty of fuel right, but the then they could order. just change direction. And and what? You could surround them. You have enough ships. You can hyperspace when they can't. The the limitation is if they make one more jump, they're out of gas. So just you jump and surround them in every conceivable direction. It's so fucking stupid. Yeah. I don't there know are no directions in space, It's hard Mike. to surround someone in space. Down. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They could well, go they have to get to the base. There's only one planet, right? The point is... You don't have to be behind them. Like you could yeah. split up your force and just hyperdrive. And that's something like, I leaned over in the theater to say, like, why aren't they just? Why don't they just jump over there and shoot them? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I think also the first order. You know, they're cocky. So they think, oh, we'll just wait till they run out of fuel. It'll be fine. I mean, Snoke shows that same kind of hubris later, but yeah, he blows um, up the medical. This is ship. where I just. 
neither of these factions deserve to inherit the galaxy, I think. And yeah. that's why nobody Thank else cares. You, Mike. That's, that's, yeah, you I get stand these by, I think Holdo's plan people. is good. And it's let only, it, only Poe that ruins the plan. So I think mm-hmm. Holdo and Leia, they do deserve to ruin the galaxy. Do you guys like Holdo uh, as, a, as a new character and maybe as people who don't yeah. like it? Again, not a, not a female thing, but you see a lot of people reach out and say, well, hold on, who is this lady you know, coming in and bossing everybody around? Again, I brought it up in one of our last ones. Who is Mon Mothma? Mon Mothma made no sense to me as a kid. She just That's showed true. up and had a position of power. And, and who's like, Admiral right. Akbar? It's not like they explain what he's all about. I, this gets right. into real, like, I don't want to be one of those. I don't want to be in the anti-Holdo camp because it is toxic and awful. Mm. Uh, the, the, the purple hair, hair is a weird costume choice to me just because it feels very terrestrial. Like, this is well, an, the elegant of the time. Well, the elegant costume, like, too, yeah. And uh, the only problem I really have is that, that speech about the, like, inspiring speech that's given. We don't have a lot of those in Star Wars, and... I feel it just doesn't ring. It doesn't ring true with me. And that's a personal thing. I have a lot of problems with things that, you know, the way things are acted that other people don't sometimes. And sometimes I like terrible performances. Mm. (laughs) But personally, I was like, I want my I want my resistance leaders to be like Leia and Empire, where she's like, you get to your transports, you do your job. That's what we're doing. (laughs) We're like, we've already Mm -hmm. committed to being suicide soldiers, essentially. Like, nobody's jumping into an X-Wing thinking they're going to come home. Like, we right. don't need to rally the troops. Let's just stick Do to our, our guns. Yeah. I like Holdo. Um, personally, I'm a big Laura Dern fan, so I think maybe that Huge, I'm a little baby. biased. <laughs> I, I do think Laura. the hair is... I mean, it's it's a minor fucking thing again. Yeah, but, yeah. like, we, we've never seen anybody with, like, dyed hair. So it just sets up, like, a thing that... Is it quite Star Wars? It's not explicitly not... But it's just, it's a little off. It doesn't bother me at all. I think it's, it's just a nitpick. Yeah, I think I can sweep it yeah, under that's the rug fair. at the I'm end not. of the day. Well, why wouldn't they have hair dye in space, you know? Oh, you guys know, keep saying dye. I see it as natural. Places. You don't think that's her natural color? Yeah, she could be like a species that just has colored hair, too. I hope so. Right. Because as much as she's into the rigor of military structure, she better not be dying her hair as <laughs> Vice Admiral. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I think the roughest performance, the though, is when they do the uh, the forces with oh, you. <laughs> I'm always saying that. Anyway, it's a great scene. Your little handshake and a kiss, and they walk away, and I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> that was a little awkward. And then, yeah, she, you know, she's like, Godspeed, Rebels, which I don't like the, the use of the word Godspeed too much because there isn't really a, like a god as we know it in Star Wars. So that, I don't like that. Midi-chlorin speed, Rebels. <laughs> Force be with you. That's enough. I mean, yeah. Like, we don't need to use Godspeed. That's not a Star Wars thing. So that, that one I will give you. May you be Jacob with the god. Force is what you tell someone who's about to die. <laughs> yeah. It's a little off. Um, I mean, that's, that's where we're getting the canto and the, the slow, fast chase. Um, and we're about to get into the world-famous Holdo maneuver, but this kind of happens concurrently with our big climax. So I say let's go ahead and take one more break. We're coming back for the big finale of The Last Jedi. We're back. We're wrapping up The Last Jedi here, talking the last section. We're talking uh, Rey abandoning the the 
Octu area and going up saying, no, I can turn him. Your greatest failure, Luke, is that you lost sight that there is still light in Ben Solo. I will go prove that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And she hops on the Millennium Falcon with Chewie. And as she's kind of getting back to the resistance, she shoots out a little escape pod. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I love this escape pod for one reason. And there are a few things in The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi that remind me very specifically of Star Wars games from the 90s. And this oh, escape great. pod looks very similar to one that is in the, I believe, 1994 game Dark Forces mm. that you ride from one Imperial ship to the other to uh, destroy the Ark Hammer and ruin the Dark Trooper project. And so uh, I was just I was glad to see a boxy escape pod coming mm. off the Millennium Falcon. I wonder if it was yeah. inspired by that. And that sounds like a sick I movie. Wonder. I mean, it's a game, but I would watch that. Yeah. Oh, it'd be a great movie. Yeah, she's... So one... One interesting thing also about this scene is that, you know, we said there's a lot of Empire connections in this movie. This is a Return of the Jedi connection, right? Because you got the, you know, Luke showing up to the Death Star. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's kind of, this movie's kind of a little combination of Empire and and Return of the Jedi. Yeah, and you get... I know uh, you're still good, Father. I know you're still good. It's like, no, you're going to turn evil. No, you're going to turn good. (laughs) <laughs> let's hold hands just for a minute <laughs> let's right right there's just a cut of their feet like playing footsie while they're standing I would love that. I yeah would that's on the deleted scenes <laughs> but even in that scene you know you get snoke kind of big dick swinging and he he pushes her over to the window and says look at all your friends we're blowing up the transports they're fucked the same way he does with luke skywalker the shields will weird. be quite yeah, these, fans, these shields, windows just quite, being like hey take a look outside into infinite space and tell me what you glass. see yeah. yeah you motherfuckers i love this throne room though <laughs> yeah but that's yeah. Oh, i do too i love it i love very the color cool. yeah very you can just nice. tell snoke is he wants to be seen as larger than life. Even when we get his hologram, right? And he's giant. Now, when you see him in person, he's kind of feeble and frail, but he's got a gold robe, this huge-ass red room. Like, you know, well, he's Hugh Hefner. Now that I, I don't think it's a spoiler since he's on the poster um, to say that Palpatine is coming back, yeah. which I'm excited for. Do you think Snoke is working for Palpatine or is a manifestation of Palpatine? Or, or is totally separate. I was so blown away, Adam, by the opener with the face hologram where Hux, you know, is let down by him and he uses the force to, like, crush him, where I was like, whoa, I forgot this that he's powerful. this strong. This guy is so yeah. powerful, Mike. He must be working for... I would say so, right? At least being yeah, manipulated, me, even unknowingly. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll get an explanation in the new movie, but in in my head, how I've always thought of it is... He's he's kind of another Sith apprentice. Like he's a Dooku, he's a Maul. They don't call him Darth Snoke, obviously, but I think he's similar to those guys. And the uh, listeners, you will have seen the Rise of Skywalker, and this is all bullshit to you. But thanks for indulging us. <laughs> right, Ra- sorry, guys. Ra- no, Ryan Johnson says your Snoke theory sucks. So uh, we'll find out oh, what the wrap you. up is. Can I give mine <laughs> real quick, just because I, yeah, you know, we 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 will know by this point. We don't know. Adam, I hate to pull you into this, but guys, just to bring up something from the past, I think it's going to be revealed that Snoke was Master Cifideus. We will finally get an answer about what any of that garbage was. He could be the guy. He could have been the guy who wanted a clone army in the background. Maybe he was early partners with Palpatine. 
I, I'd love anything to tie into the prequels. There's a lot of stuff that I think we can kind of throw at the wall during the wrap-up, because I have... And then you guys let us know, listeners, if we were way on or way off base. Yeah. yeah that sounds fun. Yeah, let's... The only, the only Snoke theory that I liked prior was uh, that Snoke is Mace Windu. No, I liked that he was that old lady that was in the library of the fucking <laughs> Jedi <laughs> How Temple. dare you. And Mace Windu, that he becomes like a white, twisted weirdo who's evil. Why would you have ever thought that, Internet? Because when he gets, a, he gets electrocuted by Palpatine, maybe it fucks up his face. When you die, you, know, you turn with his pale. Skin. Yeah. And somehow that made him turn to the dark side, and then we get... He likes gold, like his lightsaber hilt. I love yeah. his costume, by the yeah. way. I love, I love the gold costume. It makes him look less CG to have this very, this fabric like on. Yeah, and of course we have the great Andy Serkis uh, playing him. Probably the best actor that plays only CG or primarily only CG characters. The best lip actor of all time. <laughs> he put, yeah, he put yeah. Where do you guys put Snoke versus uh, Caesar the Ape? Or King Kong. <laughs> I put Gollum ahead of there. Yeah, you're no, right. Kong, We're lumpy King. from King Kong. <laughs> I think Gollum is like the best. We'll have to, uh, you're the CG Harry Potter guy. Ever, Go back and yeah. listen, folks. But uh, regardless of what we thought about who the fuck Snoke was, they just said to hell with it. And we get the whole speech of Snoke says, give me everything, kind of paralleling Kylo Ren saying, I've given you everything I have. And then he gives his whole, he sees his true enemy and he's, he, Seth serves her up for Kylo Ren to kill, but you know what? They said, fuck Snoke. Chop him. What do you think of this, right. Adam? When when the reveal happens that Kylo double-crossed Snoke, pulls the lightsaber through, and he falls in half. I, I was all for it. I thought the lead-up's a little clumsy. Like, maybe cut out five seconds of the, like, and now the lightsaber is turning ten degrees toward... <laughs> He's toward flipping the, the switch. <laughs> uh, his thumb is moving closer to the button. <laughs> but I I really didn't have any... I didn't care about the theories about who Snoke was. He didn't impress me much. I, I was... Uh, you know, I like, like I said, I liked him in the gold, um, but I was glad when they just offed him because good, get out of my way for uh, for Kylo to uh, be running the show. That's what I want. Yeah, he's really a perfect red herring because, like, you know, he gets talked up in the Force Awakens. You think he's going to be this big bad, and like he's cool looking, he's he's cool sounding, but ultimately he doesn't really. It doesn't really matter who he is. Or what he's about, like he's just a red herring, and I think that really works. We didn't know anything about the Emperor. He's in one fucking right. scene in The Empire Strikes Back, and he's at the end just being evil as shit, right? Like you don't know anything, but he works because, like, yeah, he's just the evil guy, right? So, yeah. Um, what I like about this too is like it's again paralleling Return of the Jedi, where Kylo, you see him being conflicted about, well, I've brought this person to my master, he's torturing them. And now I'm supposed to kill them. How do I feel about that? He ultimately kills his own master. So, you know, another Return of the Jedi parallel uh, that's thrown into the end of this one. Um, I think that's that's really awesome. Yeah. And uh, another thing is, you know, Moff Tarkin and Leia have that exchange. Where it's like, I expect you to be holding Vader's leash, right? And Adam, I think you mentioned this to me. Is Kylo feels like a wild dog. Yeah, I love yeah. that. You want to like elaborate on that? Cause that's so fucking cool. Cause now he's off the leash, dude. He can run around and do whatever he wants. Yeah. Yeah. He's no longer constrained by, by the military powers above him. Like Darth Vader having this weird, like boss. this weird. Yeah. He's got, he's got bosses in the military. 
that's a big part of like Vader's extended extended lore as like, oh, I'm I believe that I he's dumb enough to believe that, you know, his master loves him and trusts him more than anyone else. And uh, Kylo's smart enough to uh, not give a fuck. Uh, excuse me. You're loud. To, to not care about anyone but himself. This is an uh, adults only yeah. podcast. I just don't like anybody pulling the strings. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Let's have our heroes and let's have our villains be active and present. Kylo is a great representation of a villain. And I, I Sith Unleashed. Yeah. Finally. Finally, just the pure anger and whatever confusion he's going through, he's going to choke out Hux and just be like, I'm running the show. Blow that hunk of junk out of the sky, right? It's it's great. <laughs> but what do we think about this throne room battle? Because now the shit's on. We got the red guards with disappearing daggers and everything. I like it. I think it's a, it's a dope action scene. I know people have kind of looked into it. it and there's... there's yeah, which I understand, like, you know, oh, there's some really? moments this of, isn't of not great choreography. No, there's people... some, there's like some, some choreography that's like just a little off, like the timing of like, like uh, Daisy Ridley, like messes up her timing a couple times, but they wanted this like one take. So I think they kept it in for that reason. So it's a little sloppy, but there's overall, a, I think the action is really cool. There's a very popular breakdown on YouTube of where it's like, look, there's no leverage behind this move, blah, blah, blah. That's not how stage combat works, guys. Like, yeah. it's not. I get so frustrated when people talk about combat in a Star Wars movie as if it's supposed to represent real life. This was just right. like pure ecstasy to me. No, like, oh, you, great. Man. They're on the same team, even for five minutes. Like, I was ready to forgive everything that had annoyed me about the movie up till this point. I was like, oh, this is new. Let's do it. My expectations are finally being subverted. Yeah, it's <laughs> in it's a very cool way. when they when they, yeah. they go back to back and then it's just such a cool moment. Um there's some really cool moves in here. There's the, the thing where Ray drops the lightsaber and then uh you know kills the guy which even Game of Thrones used. Uh they yep, stole that yep. and the Arya does special. that to the, <laughs> the Night King. <laughs> Ray but, did it first. There's um, the passing of the lightsaber the where Kylo gets the other one and strikes it and gets the guy right oh, behind yeah. him in the head. Fucking thing ever, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just turns it on real quick. Work. Which I've always it, it, wanted that, yeah. It, it looks like it's a set for Hamlet. Like, it doesn't look like anywhere we've seen in Star Wars. It's just a weird, minimal thing that oh, enables yeah. things to catch on fire. <laughs> like, oh, that's Why do you have so a cloth crazy. background in your spaceship? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. You see the, the background start to fall apart, and, like, I just really love it. Yeah, it's a great scene. They're literally burning it down in this moment. It's it's awesome. And then at the end, we get the moment they finally kill all the guards. One guy gets disintegrated in a fucking little lightning <laughs> hit. But then he's like, join me, right? Let's burn it all down. The Jedi, the Sith, let it all die, right? No, still no, your... you still Fuck. don't understand. Blah, 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 blah. It's just like, damn, Adam Driver is just fucking going for it in this scene. Just killing it. Yeah, he crushes it. He's probably the, he's maybe, like I've said in the past, the best Star Wars character. (laughs) He could be argued, yeah. yeah. But this scene is great. And, you know, and similar, like like Luke and Vader, you know, join me and we'll rule the galaxy together. But you just get something, you get a feel for the fighting styles in ways that you never have. Where Adam Driver, like, look, guys, I just watched Marriage Story, so it's not a character choice. He does do weird stomping to move around. I thought that was Kylo Ren. It works. It just makes him seem so heavy. But his strikes have power behind it. And then you have Rey, 
the grayest Jedi of all the time, who she's only learned survival techniques. Look at how she fights. She fights dirty. Like that's, I mean, what Jedi do you see like sweep the legs or like uppercut people basically? Like she fucking gets physical and gets into it. Right. He has like a one-handed fighting style at some points too. And Kylo, like he does seem competent. Like he's able to take on three or four at a time. Meanwhile, Ray's usually facing he's like one or two. He's fucking cocky in this scene, Mike. He, yeah. You can see a bloodlust behind those and eyes. And he feels almost more in control like he is more like in control of his emotions than she is she's emotional and screaming he's silent she is yeah she has a rage in her from this yeah i was gonna say i really liked uh ray in this because we didn't we haven't seen too much of ray fighting i mean we saw her a little in force awakens fighting kylo but we actually get to see her just like you know mess some dudes up with a lightsaber and she's really yeah she like she lets out like a scream she's just really going for it and like Letting her almost letting her emotions get the better of her too. So. Kylo's like dead really quiet cool the whole time. He's used to yeah. this, right? Emerging. Yeah, which is a nice uh, character kind of touch. He just she even grabs like Kylo's lightsaber. Ah, oh, hell yeah! Of course, and only she can also use the weapon of a Sith. Essentially, like that's what Rey is. I'm telling you guys, she goes straight to because the dark. Of that right. learning, ah, oh, she goes straight to the dark. She's learned from Luke. It's like what's a, so the force between things. There's the light. And there's the dark, and what's in between? The balance. And what is that? Mm-hmm. The force. Is that ours? No, it's everyone's. It's Ray's. That's right. And it's the stable boys, and it could be Finn's, it could be Poe's, right? And it's the right? stable boys. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> Most, that's the, that's the message of the movie, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> it's that one particular stable boys. Yeah, yeah. It's, He's going to get a trilogy, don't worry. Ryan Johnson's going to direct. <laughs> The Stable Boy Saga. <laughs> so just to talk about that moment, just because you just mentioned it, what I think that okay. ultimately means and will lead to is by we the say, by the toys, we see Ray rejecting teaching, blah, blah, blah. Again, mm. she goes to that middle ground. Don't you think all that is is that, yes, there are Force-sensitive kids out there, and this could mean a path to where Ray becomes her own Luke one day? Yeah, and that's I'm sure something we'll find out, you know, by next episode. But it is fascinating to speculate what that could mean. We know with the Mandalorian and stuff that the Emperor and presumably the new First Order have been, like, looking for Force-sensitive children throughout the galaxy anyway. Like, the Inquisitors and stuff have been doing that in Rebels, so... But I don't think we're ever going to see those particular younglings again, do you, right? The Not those particular No, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. No, that's just a general statement the of forces like, for everyone. Forces for everyone. We we got to to what is the most important part of the movie for me, and we just that's left we it jumped. behind. Though <laughs> we subverted your expectations, please, Adam, you did, bring you us did. back to where we we need to be. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, the the reaching out and the join me. That's my was, favorite too. Ah, oh, I just I was so heartbroken, so heartbroken when. She didn't just say yes. Oh my god! I that. was like, <laughs> not that was, he's turning evil. Adam's like, yes, yeah, say yes to turn to the dark side. Go with him. Yes, or just like join and become this weird. F- that was after hearing so much about how this movie was going to change how I saw Star Wars, and and I went in with some some as a Ryan Johnson uh, skeptic uh, because everyone loved Looper. I was at, in film school at the time, and everyone loved Looper, and I I felt very alone and being like. I love the first 15 minutes and then I was very frustrated but like for the rest of the film. So I was so ready to take Ryan Johnson's hand and be like, yes, sweep me into an era of Star Wars 
where our like hopeful lead joins forces with this like conflicted, socially confused, like dark Jedi and changes everything we've ever known. Like I'm ready for that. And when that didn't happen, when that didn't pay off, it, it really hurt me. Well, <laughs> was... I don't know because I, I think, you know, Kylo, he's still, he has some good intentions, but at that point he still wants to kill all the rebels and just move on from the past. And so Ray can't totally get behind like, Oh, you want to just kill everybody and start over? I what don't if know he about just that. wanted to take the ship speech. and fly away for now? It, but he's literally saying, yeah. and also I should be in charge of the galaxy. Like it's such an interesting <laughs> asterisk to be yeah, like, right. we deserve together, we'd be we should be in love, but also I should be in charge of everything that ever exists. It's like, well, okay, hold on, bump the brakes. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can yeah. see he's not full evil, but he's still he's he's super conflicted. And and I I wouldn't expect Ray to join him at that point. I think it's a it's a nice tease, but I mean they still want each other to join each other, but they still are set too set in their their ways of you know being light and dark. Well, it's it's heartbreaking too because you see her like, don't do this, Ben. Like, come on, don't right. don't ask me to do don't the go evil thing, right? But I I would have loved to see that too, Adam. This world where they're like, all right, here's it. We have our heroes and our villain have joined forces, and they're just going to burn everything down and. That's it, you know, like what it's just so different. I don't know what that would look like, but wow, it's tantalizing to imagine. See, I understand why you guys wanted that to happen, but I think it's a perfect almost foreshadowing and I mean, we'll see what happens in the new movie, but I think that's still a possibility that could happen, and I do think they're going to team up in some sense. Um so I wouldn't be too quick to to um dismiss that idea. And yet. we'll have to see. But she does reject the offer. Um they fight over Anakin, uh, Anakin's lightsaber, gets split in half. Uh, Ray escapes on Snoke's personal craft, and then uh, Hux is going to shoot Kylo. I just like this little moment, and then Kylo wakes up, and he puts his gun away, like, oh, what's And he up, calls dude? it my <laughs> army. Kylo's like, get all the troops to do this. He's like, but you want my army to do this? I'm like, yeah, Hux still has it, guys. And then he just chokes the him, Supreme leader though. is dead. Long live the Supreme Leader. Which that, I like this. Like, the, you know, because well, he still like, tries to maintain his power. Like, my army, and then Kylo's got no leash now. So now that Snoke's dead, it's like, oh, fuck. You can't. Yeah, and the thing is, like, I do think Hux is still a formidable character. But, like, if you're going up against someone who can use the Force, like, you're pretty much at a disadvantage. So you kind of have to do what the Force user says, right? And, and Vader was always kind of held in check, except for the occasional Admiral Piet, uh, who would be in right. his <laughs> discipline. Ooh, good um, he even tries to tell Kylo, like, don't lose focus. We could kill all the rebels right now. And he's like, throws him into the wall. And the guy's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Hux is actually <laughs> Pretty smart. being a better leader for the First Order. But Kylo's too focused on Luke at that point. Mm-hmm. He doesn't give a shit about any of the, re- the rebels. Like, he just wants Skywalker. to you know, kill Luke, obviously. <laughs> yeah, so Kylo takes over and he's like, we're going down to that base. They've escaped what shuttles they could. The Holdo Maneuver has happened. Let's ask really quickly, Holdo Maneuver, yay or nay? Adam. Yay. Oh, it made me so angry. It, it really, it really <laughs> upset me. The moment it happened and the theater was just like, <gasps> I mean, everyone held their breath. I could. It's a beautiful thing, but just immediately I was like, "Why was there ever a Death Star? Why? Why did I just watch an entire squadron of bombers die and people lose their lives when they could have just shot a projectile at light speed?" Like, well, it's not that. It's not that easy. It, there's this. Not but it is easier can, than losing your entire military force. Is all I'm saying, or building a Death Star. Right, but it's like I don't think you could fly an X-wing through the Death Star. Like it has to be a certain ship. 
a certain size ship and then what you're hitting it has to be like the the ship that she goes through isn't as big as the death star i don't even think that ship like the rebel ship could go all the way through the death star but the energy is so immense that it doesn't just split that ship it splits every other ship around thing. that's it, what i have a problem with it, it's super gorgeous i love that it hits the one but when you see the others cracking behind it i'm like yeah okay so the uh, yeah. the first order has a devastating AOE weapon in Starkiller Base, and then the re- Resistance has an AOE weapon in has one right. slippery yeah. boy. I will say to you know to the people that say, well, why don't they do that all the time? That's like saying you know in World War II, why you know the Japanese they had kamikaze pilots, right? But they you know you don't see every army using. But kamikaze. one of those no, yeah, would not have destroyed an entire navy. Well, I right, mean that's what Pearl Harbor was. I don't know. Well, I'm saying if every time you used one of those, the entire Navy was wiped out, it would have taken, you know, not that yeah, many. They're, they're usually less efficient than, than bombs, you know. You you drop your bombs first, and then you crash the plane, uh, right. I would imagine. Um, I guess those kamikaze fighters were mostly fighters. But just these, how how little effort it would take to build a giant space ram with a hyperdrive on it. You know, I totally would have been cool with the ship hitting that ship and disabling it in any way. That wasn't just like, this is the ultimate power in the galaxy. Like, yeah, I guess I, I think maybe all the other ships like splitting, that's a little much. But I just think I kind of see it as like a last desperation move that maybe, like, I guess maybe it's kind of unbelievable that no one would have thought of that before. But, eh, but I'm hey, with you, know, you Jacob. It could truly be the specialty of that ship. The fact that that Admiral Escape thing that they had was so large, the type of fuel it has, you know, the angle that it was hitting stuff at. I- I'm into it. It's right. just, do, do they call it the Holdo Maneuver? You guys keep calling that. Is that what fans That's call, what it? I call it? I do love that. <laughs> I've, heard it. I've heard it called that. Maybe just for Mike. I think that's but, what I've seen on the internet, but I mean, what okay, else do you yeah, call it? It's, it's the Holdo maneuver, right? Come on. And it almost seems like general, in the movie, do the Holdo maneuver. Like, <laughs> it almost seems like she's not even planning to do that until they start blowing up the transports, and then she's like, "Oh, definitely. Okay, not. well, yeah. I got to stop this somehow." Because they were only tracking the lead ship, but when it turns yeah. out, so she kind of does pull that out of her pocket. It's a visual spectacle. Uh, I don't. I don't hate it. It's like again, I could nitpick it. Like, yes, we should build space rams, like Adam said, and do this every time now. And just have a droid pilot works. them. Exactly right. Yeah. You know, Akbar could have done it. Yeah. Give him a proper send off. You know, justice for Akbar, man. <laughs> but it's gorgeous. But so yeah, they, she gets the job done, and then it's just that remaining force that's headed down to crate, headed by Kylo Ren. Uh, they're moving into the big ass door. They head to crate. Here's one of the coolest things I think this film does, because obviously we mentioned before the timeline of Star Wars is so persnickety because obviously a film from 1977, even when you get into the later movies with better technology, you don't want to showcase the better technology too much. Right. So the fact that they say this is an abandoned base, they've got all the technology from the, the early Star Wars. And they get there and they're folding out the computers and stuff. I'm like, oh, this is so comfortable. I feel so happy right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did like that as well. Yeah, getting into that base and seeing kind of the old tech was it was a real yeah. It's a clever conceit. And I also just like the aesthetics of crate. Like I like the, you know, it's salt. It's not snow. You know, I like the red whenever there's like explosions or like the the mono skis in the in the salt, like the red that. It kicks up like I just think that's very aesthetically uh, good looking. And like the last movies we've been talking about, all the, you know, there's usually three key locations. We have 
Octu, Canto Bite, and Crate, and they're all very distinct here. And a car That's chase. Right. Yeah, and a slow space chase, right. There's the worst version of Mad Max. You guys don't have any bad feelings about getting Walker Battle number two after we've had three Death Stars? That's a little it rough. It is hot. People it point out the, the, the knuckles that the First Order ones have now, obviously, to, to circumvent the, the tow cables. I think that's an interesting addition. Oh, oh yeah. I did notice that. Like, they're a little thicker. On I the didn't bottom. realize the Never functionality, that. but that is it's actually It's bladed cool. if you see. It's it's like a multi-layered. Yeah. Whoa. That's a, interesting. Wow. I'm, I'm, my mind is blown. Like I like that. That's but, cool. You know, those suck. Adam, what I love is the mini Death Star tech. When they get that stuff out to blow up the fucking wall, I'm like, fuck, that is so cool. Like, it, let's not go bigger. Let's go smaller. I like that it's yeah. not firing a beam. It's just like heating up in that one spot until it's like essentially melting through the door. It feels like. Well, it's it doesn't like melt steel beams, blast. though, Mike, if that's what you're trying to imply. <laughs> no, it's turning the freaking Yoda's gay. <laughs> that's what we believe on this podcast we gotta Yoda get was part of it trip. so what, what do we think about this the battle of crate we get the the skiffs or the the skim yeah jacob just brought the mono skis we said it before this monoskis, is rough yeah. guys you know the fins choosing to go out there obviously poe awesome he's a pilot this is in his blood he kicks through the floor of the thing eh, let's fly these hunks of junks but then the, the mm-hmm. Rosenfin stuff is is just so bad. We kind of covered this, yeah. And then this is, again, a question of tactics. Like we said, Hux is saying, hey, let's please keep the assault up. And Kylo's like, hold the phone. Also, there's a moment when Ray does finally make it back. And they're like, she drew them off. All of them. Oh, they hate that ship. And it's like, they you're going to let every TIE ship. fighter peel off from the battle. Oh, my God. I do. But I do like the scene of the Millennium Falcon flying. Like, it's a very through the rubies and cool crystals. Scene. Hell yeah. And you get Chewy yeah. and then you get the poor going. Brah! I mean, you know, oh, we terrible. didn't even mention those yeah, little fucks. But yeah, it's great. But if if we remember, she escaped on Snoke's personal ship. So she had to escape on Snoke's ship. Rendezvous. With the Millennium Falcon, get in the Millennium Falcon, arrive at the battle. It's a little wonky, but also that's nitpicking. And then she finds Right, but also Kylo and Hux would take some time to get down there and get set up, right? So it's not like she had to go there immediately. I'm just saying, why not keep Snoke's ship? I want to see that. I wanted to see Rey fly in in Snoke's ship, right. And it looks like there's a villain arriving, but oh, it's Rey. How sick is that? Oh, yeah, subverting your expectations at all? Well, we get that when uh, (laughs) Rose and Finn fly in on the imperial ship right as the doors closing and they're like it's us it's us oh fuck so, that too because the only ship that makes it through at the last minute happens to be the one with their buddies up. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like fucking yeah, but, blow you know, it up we don't know i guess they were using the force but you know again but i do i like the idea of finn you know thinking oh i'm gonna sacrifice myself now and i also like the idea that someone else threw out earlier that you know Maybe, you know, he was planning to sacrifice himself. Maybe that wouldn't even have caused the whole, like, uh, mini Death Star thing to blow up at all, and it would have been all for nothing. Uh, definitely not. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, so I think we've kind of covered the main part, but the, the the meat and potatoes of this has to be the arrival of Luke Skywalker, Kylo Ren, saying, all right, I'm going down to the surface. Y'all stop shooting. Well, no, first well, they say even, fire every gun we have. Fire every gun at that right. man. Uh, but he's not Versus Luke Skywalker, Mike. He's good-looking Skywalker. We see a, a younger <laughs> Svelter man, maybe from that dream sequence, uh, coming out. My only issue with this is, why does he use the blue lightsaber in the projection? Why isn't it the green? Yeah. 
Huh, yeah, because he had the green one if he wanted to taunt Kylo from the past, he would have used that. And I guess because it was Darth Vader's, is that what it is? Yeah, I, I, it's got to be some sort of stab at Kylo. You know, like, mm. you know what this is, don't you? I used to wield it, buddy. What I like about it, though, is like, in hindsight, knowing that it's a force projection, there's so many subtle clues. Like the fact that he has that lightsaber that was just broken in half a few scenes before, you know, in the throne room. So that lightsaber doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And the fact that when he moves his feet on the sand, it doesn't leave a red trail. Like right. I didn't notice any of this on my first viewing, but now you see like there was everything you need. His hair's cut different. Like, yeah, there's clues. What about the, yeah, I, the subtle... I was... Sorry, sorry. I was going to say, what about the subtle clue of when they fire every laser at him and he doesn't die? <laughs> Is well, that the was shoulder the rub a little too much for you guys? Oh, it's a little yeah. too much. For, I no, know he's I trying to piss early nineties. Just a little like, too. I'm with you. A little early nineties. Jay Z. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like. I think it's so good. Like, I love. I love it. Yoda does the bring it on in episode three. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're right. Follow suit with the t- dust in his shoulder. It just feels like that was George Lucas's one. He was a consultant, and the only thing he offered was oh, you like, know what? You should have Mark. He should here. dust his- <laughs> Oh man! <Yeah. laughs> Come on, do it for me for all time. George, <laughs> is that you? Who let you on set? You know you sold this stuff, right? I I was gonna say I was so mad that he cut his hair. When I didn't know he was a force projection yet, I was like, "You took time to like clean yourself up for this shit, man. Damn, you dyed that beard. You're looking no, good, old man." I do think it's interesting that yeah, he kind of shows up and he's the Luke that Kylo would have last remembered seeing, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's a cool angle too. Yeah, You're I like that as win. well. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm I didn't fall apart. I am still the figure from your life. There, there is something powerful behind Luke there, right? And there is that little line, though, where he's like, are you here to say your so- apologize and save my soul? And he's like, no, like, I'm not here to try to turn you to the light side. Like, right. yeah, I don't think you can. Be. Well, Yoda says they grow Leia. beyond, you know, the, your, your students grow beyond you guys. Adam, you were saying about <laughs> Leia. Well, he tells, I love it when he's telling Leia, like, I'm not going to save him. I'm going to go kill your son now. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, I know he was gone. (laughs) It's like, all right, cool. No one's ever really gone. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Best quote. Uh, We get a little Harrison Ford, you know, um, if you strike me down, you know, it'll be just like when you killed your father. Oh, Alec. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the see around kid, you know, Han Solo. Yeah. And then we do get that little action where he, you know, Kylo swings at him and he does that. Matrix move. Yeah. I, I like that as well because it kind of prolongs the idea that he's actually there. Um, yeah. I, it, it pays I off. Do you expect me to face down the whole First Order with a laser sword? He does it, but it's not in the way that we think. Expectations right. subverted. And I like it because it's Luke taking a nonviolent approach to solve the situation like he did exactly. in Return of the Jedi. He threw away his lightsaber, choosing to not use violence in the same way. He's not fighting against Kylo. He's just avoiding attacks and then kind of taunting him to buy time uh, for Ray to pick up some rocks. I think it's the perfect ending for his character too. And then we cut back when, you know, it's revealed that he's a force, you know, a force projection. He's just sitting on that rock, you know, looking at the sunset. Ah, so beautiful. And there's a, a, another cross cut where it's Ray and then it matches to him where it's almost like she's seeing him looking across 
to him. And it's mm-hmm. not confirmed, but it feels like No, she says. She uh, says to Leia, I felt him, you know, I felt him she go. She felt it. And there was right. there was a strange peace to it, and Leia just sort of nods. Mm, yes. In purpose. Yeah. yeah. So I do think it was appropriate, and obviously nobody's really gone. We've heard in the trailers, we'll see next week uh how that all pans out. Kylo's pissed, and then I love uh again when Ray's like, What do you think the force is? Oh, it's what allows you to control people and like move stuff. It's like it's more than lifting rocks, and then she's just lifting rocks. Lifting rocks. Yeah. Indiana Jones call back, X marks the spot. You know, that's the right. same as subversion. I don't like those CGI rocks. Though. They look bad, yeah. They yeah, they bad. do look bad. But I, I need my special editions. There's too many of <laughs> yeah, them. Is that what you guys, when I was looking at it, I was like, there are like 5,000 rocks when she lifts it up. I'm like, just yeah, do like yeah. eight rocks. It doesn't need to be the whole sky. Or like three big ones but uh I yeah was, a little nitpicky again but yeah, yeah so yeah she, for sure she does a damn thing and now the entire resistance is on the millennium falcon and they are happy they, they are, are happy, happy like as clans. we did it all 32 of us yeah boy to end it and be like all right it's so a let's do a head count here okay so you made it you made it oh we're done that's it that's the rebel alliance all right well we all <laughs> live on this one spaceship now it's like oh my god how are you guys ever gonna fucking win but They're much, at their lowest point now, and then we'll see yep. what happens. Yeah, much like, you know, uh, Empire Strikes Empire. Back, you know, they're kind of at a low point, but there is that little underlying hope. And then they look out the window towards space in that, the same way that Stable Boy looks out into space with hope in his heart. Right. And that is The Last Jedi, boys. Hell wow. yeah. Let's, uh, you know, if you've been listening along and watching the movie, they might end at the same time. So let's go ahead and <laughs> roll to the old wrap-up of Return of the Jedi. We thank you for riding along with us. This has been a fun one. We haven't uh, gotten to fist fighting yet, so I think we've been very civil. We'll catch you for final thoughts after this. Don't run away. Next. back uh like mike said this was a long one guys i had a lot of questions that i wanted to to put out before the the next film how we're feeling about star wars here but we're gonna be wrapping up a bit so while we're sitting by the fire here go ahead and uh, toast another porg we'll we'll get going here we'll just be talking our wrap-ups and then we'll go into our jedi our sith and our jar jar adam you're the guest what are your final thoughts on last jedi how's it stacking up for you um and i guess just also hit me with just one final line of how are you feeling about Star Wars going into an mm. unknown fi- finale into this trilogy? Yeah, throw one wild prediction out. Let's all throw one of those in. <laughs> I would love that, too. Well, uh, The Last Jedi has been a film that I have struggled with. Um, I feel like a good deal of my frustration came from not loving this movie and immediately being cast into the camp of you're just like a hater you have no valid, you know, like concerns about this film. And uh but after sitting with it, I didn't go I didn't come out hating the film. I turned to the dark side for a little while and maybe was uncomfortable. I might have called it my least favorite Star Wars film. Uh maybe it's better to episode than episode 2 or episode 1 to me now. I don't know. I definitely had more fun watching it uh this past week than I had in any of my previous viewings. 
So uh, yeah, I'm I'm okay with it, and I'm I'm looking forward to the new Star Wars movie. I hope that it is so bad <laughs> we can oh. all hate Star Wars again together <laughs> briefly. I think you'll get your I, wish. I, I, I'm really like. I'm not going to have any problems with it being awful. I will have problems with it being mediocre. And my one crazy prediction is that uh, Luke Skywalker is just going to be a devil that sits on Kylo Ren's shoulder the entire movie and uh, makes cracks wise at him. Ooh, you'll think he'll go to Kylo over appearing to Rey. I had never considered that, Adam. That is fucking awesome. I hope that is what it is. Yeah, might appear to both. Well, I'm hoping he's just Kylo's personal force ghost. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> With a sit Jacob on a log Marley. and go. All right, <laughs> Jacob, you tell me here. What do you? Th- how are you feeling about Star yes. Wars? How are you feeling about the Last Jedi? Well, the Last Jedi. I mean, if you've been listening to this podcast, you probably know I love this movie. I think it's easily. I think it's the best Star Wars movie since Empire Strikes Back. And I don't want to get like hyperbolic, but I really think like. In terms of what it is, like a big corporate, huge budget blockbuster action movie, I think it's a masterpiece because it almost feels like the reason why I like it so much is because it feels like we're almost getting away with something that we shouldn't have. Like this movie has no right to be as good as it is. And the the amount of time, like they could have just played it safe and made another similar movie to Force Awakens, but Ryan Johnson didn't do that. And I just think this is the most misunderstood movie and I, th- I just think it's so good and so thought-provoking, and I just don't understand why people don't like it. But, you know, I don't know. That, it is what <laughs> it is. <laughs> I just love it. And in terms of the future of Star Wars, I am very apprehensive about this next film. Oh, no. I mean, some of the, the PR that came out about it, it's just like has me worried because my biggest fear is that they're going to try to over over course correct from the last Jedi due to the divisive reaction. And I think what they're going to end up with is a mediocre movie. That's inoffensive enough that no one's going to hate it, but also no one's really going to love it. And I think it's just going to be just kind of mediocre. So they're going to try to please everybody and they're not going to please anybody. Essentially. Any wild predictions? Wild predictions. Um, I think uh, I think one of the characters will die. One of one of Ray, Kylo, Finn, or Poe. Maybe two will. I die. I would like that. Okay. Okay. Uh, Mike, tell me. All tell right. me right here. What are your thoughts? Where are you? Uh, you're a Jedi guy who watched it three times. Here, come on, lay it out to us, Master. I too was probably someone like Adam. I've been very conflicted with this film since the release i may have also called I it sense conflict my least Mike. favorite star wars i know what i have to do but i don't know if i have the strength to do it that <laughs> oh, no. being can i say that this is a good movie i think i'm almost there i might have stockholm syndrome from watching it three times but i see what they're doing with the themes they just presented the most interesting choices for each character ray you have to face that what if your parents didn't matter go all right poe you can't fly spaceships go kylo you'll never be darth vader go it's like they kind of do push these characters in a way that's, that's quite interesting, especially coming off of Force Awakens. So they accomplish that for me. Um, overall, I like it. It's definitely better than Episode 1 and 2. 
Um, maybe slightly better than Return Ooh, of the would Jedi. Would you put it above Force act. Awakens, Mike? Uh, yeah. I'm curious about that for you. Force Awakens is below Revenge of the Sith for me. So, uh, yeah, it's it's right under Revenge of the Sith probably. But uh, that being said, it's fun. Overall, it take it took me a while to warm up to it, um, but I think I, it's growing on me. That's all I'll say. And I love anything with Kylo and Rey and kind of that dynamic is, is the best of this. So. Can I add one thing as I have well. rider to that, Bill. Um, I just want to add one thing, okay? Just to be clear, I don't think you got, like, Adam and Mike, I know we've had our disagreements and we've talked <laughs> a lot about this movie, but I don't think you guys are in the same camp as those toxic fans that we've talked about, so I don't want you to think that yeah, I think that. Announce, yeah. I think, you know, there are legitimate criticisms you can have about this movie. I just feel the need to defend it more than most movies because of the divisive reaction. And, you know, I've had, you know, I have friends, you know, I have a friend that says like, you know, he gets together with his friends and watches this movie and just roasts it. Like it's the fucking room or something. And I just don't understand <laughs> oh that. It's God. like that anyone could think this is, is worse than the prequels, especially episode one and two. It just blows my mind. Like I would say, go back and rewatch those movies uh, because they're a lot. If you worse haven't than seen them in the last 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy <laughs> predictions for Rise, which you guys know if they're true already. Uh, I have two quick ones. One, uh, we've been seeing a lot of cloning in The Mandalorian, like the Camino. I predict that the Emperor ah. has been making clone bodies since the days of sifo and the clone army, and he has them stacked up somewhere, and he's going to enter a new vessel. Uh, cloning will take place, thus tying Man. the prequels to this. Um, and then I really hope Lando gets to say goodbye to his old lover, his robot, the Millennium Falcon. If they <laughs> yes, do not do no, a suicide Mike. run where yes. he says, I love you, and the Millennium Falcon says, I love you too, <laughs> on, baby. and then they crash. <laughs> the, no, the Millennium Falcon's got to say, I know. Yeah, the man. Millennium Falcon yeah, needs to be the character that dies, and they need to acknowledge <laughs> that they're in love. Damn it. It's good to be back inside <laughs> of you, girl. I really hope they don't address that <laughs> no, at all. It needs to happen. Because <laughs> I think that's one of the my least favorite things about solo but <laughs> this is exactly the kind of terrible thing i want to happen in this movie Please. so bad <laughs> so mike with the cloning angle do you think snoke is a clone Snoke of looks like a dead body that got inhabited by the force of oh that's Palpatine. true he's all fucked up like just like all right i'll use this one uh mike right if, like maybe yeah. i was just gonna say if cloning yeah. ends up being like the big angle of this series it will be a little bit of end game where i'm like ah this was all leading to time travel like i didn't really love that this much like i, I kind of hope it's not leading to that buddy. well here, here's the last thing because we'll find out people aren't going to care about this theory but in rebels the world between worlds is where palpatine was last seen he can jump between time and shit in there uh, ahsoka tano was also in there so who the fuck knows but oh he's outside of time oh, if they canon. bring I would actually love it if they brought Ahsoka Tano into this movie. That would be really You and cool. many Star Wars fans around the world. No, she's <laughs> yeah, great. That would be nuts. Colin, you got to hit me with your last thoughts here. All right, look, I'm going to hit you guys here. Look, I'm, I'm with Jacob. I'm with you guys. I love sci-fi. I love Star Wars. I was putting it into the context of this. Think about this, guys. Think about it just as a sci-fi film. The only other big budget sci-fi film that came out this exact same year was Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets, a oh, personal yeah. favorite between Jacob movie. and I. Another great yeah, movie. <laughs> it's like, that did not do well critically. You know, Last Jedi did super well critically, but again, it was people sort of not liking it or whatever. But when I stack those two against each other, The Last Jedi, like you guys said, it's a film. It is beautifully shot, and mm -hmm. it has rich themes, rich depth of characters. 
I might say that uh, maybe this is my favorite Star Wars movie, honestly, because wow. it uh, it challenges me. We all just laughed about people not liking the prequels. Guess what, guys? This is how cyclical time is. 20 years from now, people are going to fucking love this movie because it's going to be a weird outlier in the canon of Star Wars, and we'll be moving on to Ray's next trilogy at that point, and I'll say to my kids, oh, yeah, but you'll not <laughs> believe how much people fucking hated that movie. You want to so see where that's stable? I don't feel the need to defend totally it. Time will. I'm with you. I'm with you. I 100% agree with that. I mean, people, I don't think the reaction was this bad, but people didn't necessarily like Empire when it came out. No. And now it's looked back as one of the best ones. Yeah. People say, so I think oh, it's similar I remember where about. I was when I saw it. And, you know, the Rise of the Skywalker, I'm very nervous because J.J. Abrams. You know, this is a critique we didn't even touch on it, guys, uh, that uh, a lot of people just feel like the payoffs of this film, right? Ryan Johnson didn't follow through with what was set up in the first movie. But I would argue J.J. Abrams is the king of mystery box. He's not interested in answering questions. He's only interested in setup. So when you get another director in there who's like, no, I'm not interested in any of that bullshit. I'm interested in originality. There will not be somebody pulling the strings again. Like, I, I fucking love that. Right, it did make sense when they first announced the directors. It made a lot of sense to me. Oh, J.J. Abrams is going to do the first one. He's going to set everything up. That made sense. Obviously, they had Colin Trevorrow lined up to do the third mm -hmm. one, right? Uh, he got canned, and so they brought J.J. back. And I'm thinking, like, J.J. is good at beginnings, bad at endings. Why would you bring him back Why to wrap up the whole trilogy? He'll have PTSD from Lost. So, yeah, I'm right. a little apprehensive. But so. Real quick, just because it's another thing we've got floating out there, just hit me with a yes or no, and we won't take up Normies any more time after we do our best ofs after this. But uh, we should say Ryan Johnson was supposed to get his own trilogy that we know nothing of. I just want to hear from you guys. Yes or no, is that still going forward? I say yes. I Officially, it still is right now. I think it won't go forward, and it's a damn shame because it'll it'd be 100% because of the fans, the whiny crybaby fans. And I want to see a Ryan Johnson trilogy, so it's a damn shame. It's dependent on Rise, because if it recontextualizes this in a way that people learn to appreciate it more, because I think it does challenge you and it takes time to learn maybe how to love this movie, maybe then there's a chance. Adam? Ryan Johnson, put me in the background of I any you. of your Star Wars movies, oh, yes. and I, uh, <laughs> I will never say a bad word about your film ever again. I'm sorry for anything negative I've said in the past. Please, please let me be an X-Wing pilot or an X-Wing like janitor. I got a new Y-Wing. Hey, did you guys dog? see that scene? Yeah, where Adam's yes. in the background. He says, oh, by the way, I hooked up the Tashi converter. I'm like, oh, shit, he said Tashi converter. <laughs> I need a new motivator. Shall we... <laughs> Oh, crazy prediction, Colin. You got a crazy prediction? Oh, though? crazy prediction. Um, the guy who plays Chewbacca, that Junus, whatever his name is, Senamu, this will be the first film in which he fully plays Chewbacca. We should say Peter Mayhew passed. Uh, oh, thank you. After uh, the making of The Last Jedi. Um, I've said in the past, Chewbacca is my favorite character. I think we will finally get a cool payoff moment for him in this trilogy of films, and he'll get a dope-ass scene. That's my prediction. Yeah, he's been kind of sidelined. He deserves it. He well, fucking fought no, in the Clone Wars. Thank you, and there's been no publicity <laughs> or anything for this film, so I, I think he'll, I don't know, justice for Chewie. He'll get a dope-ass scene in this movie. I'm with you. I think him and Lando could have some cool stuff together. Please. Lando Brad. needs alone time with the, with the Millennium Falcon. 
All right, normies, as we always do at the end of this episode, we're going to do our Jedi, our Sith, and our Jar Jar, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's uh, kick it around the horn, starting with our guest, Adam. Uh, my Jedi for this is uh, Kylo in a TIE fighter. Looks rad. Uh, super cool scene. Um, Luke gives a good performance. I love the uh, the bridges on the Imperial ships. They they look cool. Um, I don't know. The, the things that I like about this movie, I like a lot. And there are some of them. <laughs> um, my, my, uh, my Sith is, is that I, I don't have my strong archetypes just kind of carrying through my, carrying me through an adventure. I feel like there are 40 minutes of this movie I could cut down. Uh, so the, the pacing is rough for me and a hot take after watching uh, The Force Awakens a few days before watching this, man, I'm, I'm getting kind of worn out on this this music from the original trilogy. Oh. Coming back and coming back in very small segments. Like, I'm talking, we're just cramming in this medley of all these very impactful themes from the regular trilogy. I need some, some new music. It's starting to become a parody for me. Um, those fanfares kind of bring me down. Too much brass. Uh, and... Yeah, yeah, lots of lots of trumpets still being used used mm-hmm. out here. Uh, my Jar Jar is just like zoom in on BB-8 and play. He doesn't deserve that when he's shooting coins out of his dick. Come on, dude. Leave BB-8 alone. I'm with him. And my my Jar Jar is hyperspace ramming, ad military tactics. Um, it, I wouldn't, I, I can understand how that can totally be nitpicking, but these were things that took me out of it raises questions. My first viewing. Yeah. I think so. it's a legitimate it can break. Some people's suspension of disbelief, I think is the, the real issue, right? Um, uh, yeah, that's it right. for me. Jacob, you want to jump in? Yeah. Um, yeah. So my Jedi, everything with Luke and Ray, I think is awesome everything with ray and kylo is awesome like those three any connection like any combination of those three characters in this movie is like the best stuff uh i think the throne room fight scene is super dope i think the yoda cameo is great and i don't mind the puppet i think the puppet looks pretty good um as far like yeah those are all great things i think for my sith um finn i think he's underutilized in this i think canto bite Finn, Ray, uh, Rose, everything with that subplot is like clearly the worst stuff in this movie. Um, but even that, I don't mind it too much. Honestly, like I don't mind Candlebite. Um, All right. And so for my Jar Jar, I'm going to go with the toxic fans because if Joe is here, like he would say it, um, you know, no one hates Star Wars like Star Wars fans. And I know that, you know, there's a, there's a certain element of toxicity to any fandom, but it's really become like overwhelming with star Wars where like you can't talk about star Wars online without someone going, Oh, ruin Johnson, blah, blah, blah. Disney ruined star Wars. And I'm just so like over that whole discourse. Like you might not like the movies and I'm not, I'm not grouping you guys in with that at all. Like, I think this is a totally. This is maybe ten percent of the entire Star Wars. No, these are the people on message boards who every day for the past two years have posted "ruin Johnson, ruin in a coma." I don't understand any of that stuff, Jacob. Yeah, there's whole YouTube accounts that do nothing but post videos 
like anti um disney anti kathleen kennedy anti ryan johnson videos like every day and it's like Talk about something else. I know they probably get views, and that's why they do it. But it's the like poor Rose debacle. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's, that's terrible truly too. And I mean, awful. Even going back to the prequels, you had you know Jake Lloyd getting bullied. You'd had the guy that played Jar Jar, and now you have Rose getting bullied off of social media. Like, come on, man! Like, leave the actors alone for one thing. Like, it's not their fault, even if it's, you don't like the yeah, movie. Fucking ridiculous. So I just had to mention that because it's just again so un- oh, unbearable, you. and I just hope that. Everyone can come together, watch this new movie, and agree that it's entirely mediocre. <laughs> just <laughs> meet in the middle. Worth it. <laughs> well, I'll jump in here. Um, so my Jedi is Raylo. Uh, anything with them kind of developing that uh, she's being pulled to the darkness, he's being pulled to the light. They both kind of can't get what they want. Um, I think that's great. They want to burn it all down. Good stuff. The bad stuff is the tactics of both the First Order and the Resistance. Um, if you tell Poe to come back, why not message all the pilots and the bombers to also come back? Why do you just let them keep going on the mission and only tell Poe to call it off? It doesn't make sense. First Order should teleport in the front. Um, Canto Bite is bad. And then Ugly, you know, Jar Jar, uh, Green Titty Milk, Leia Poppins, Rip Akbar with no ceremony. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and uh, the Porgs. The Porgs are weird. Uh, I wouldn't let fucking bird creatures just chill in the cockpit of my spaceship and build nests. I like the porks, and I like Leia right. Poppins. Those would go in my. And does Akbar say it's a trap in this one? No, no, he doesn't. Luckily, that would have been too much. <laughs> it's my death. No, he yeah, got if he caught. said that, that would have been. <laughs> and just to kind of call out those fans, Kathleen Kennedy has produced Schindler's List, Jurassic Park, fucking Signs, E.T. Like E.T. Yeah. No, come on, man. Like, dude, she's. When people say she's not a real Star Wars fan, it's like she's run Lucasfilm for like. 30 fucking years like i think she's more knows more about star wars back than to the do. future like she's made some of your favorite fucking movies so get off kathleen kennedy right and chill here's what i think and this no, is the last thing i'll say a, a new hope was king arthur in space empire strikes back was a character story return of the jedi became more kid friendly the problem with these ones is they have to be all three of those things at once and it's hard to do that successfully that's what i think so and it's a corporate kind of thing now so uh colin what about you what do you got yeah, I agree, buddy. You can feel that gilded glove. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say my Jedi, it's exactly what you guys have been saying. The Ray stuff, anytime Ray is paired off with somebody, it is maybe some of the best writing that this series has ever had. Like above and beyond. Mm. Like it's just, it's polished, it's professional, and you just feel like, God damn, I love these characters. Um, I'll say that bomber sequence, the tone, the cross-cutting, just the color red. I'll just fucking throw it out to the color red, guys. This this is the movie for it. If we're talking Sith, um, we'll keep flying until we run out of fuel. It's just so rough. <laughs> it's just, it's so rough. Like, what an idea as a plan. The fact that that's the framing device to all the good stuff, like, just cut it out then. You know, maybe this movie doesn't need to be the longest Star Wars. And my Jar Jar, I mentioned it before. Luke, don't be ashamed. Keep your robes on. Why? You, I, I know you're not a Jedi anymore, but why are you putting on your sweatpants when company arrives? That doesn't make any sense, buddy. <laughs> uh, oh, shit. The, the Porg just stepped on, on a button here in my cockpit, and we're, I'm getting a transmission, I think, from, from Joe right now. Um, let's go ahead and play that thing. R2, run it. 
Hey, oh, bad boys, it's your host, Joe. Sorry I could not be on this episode. There's actually another youngling joining my family, but I had to give you my thoughts and feelings on The Last Jedi, and I'm going to do it the same way we do on the show with The Jedi, The Sith, and The Jar Jar. Starting with The Jedi, the greatest teacher failure is. Uh, That line to me is proving the point that this movie has a theme. It is relatable. It is putting human experiences inside a galactic struggle, which is the same reason that Empire Strikes Back succeeds. They have real emotion to them. It's not just a hero's journey where the good guy fights the bad guy the end. They have struggle. Their character conflicts have so much growth in this, and I love how it doesn't go the way you think it's going to go, and it keeps telling you that. It keeps saying point blank, this isn't going to work the way you think it's going to work. And I really respect a movie that tries to challenge its audience, even if they don't like the challenge that they're being given. Right out the gate, you have Poe in a space battle that I think is one of the most exciting. It's shot really well, and it sets up his stakes, right? In The Force Awakens, he is a character who can always solve a problem by being positive about it and by leaping into action. He's going to learn that that doesn't always work, that you fail sometimes and you have to rethink your strategy. We also see that growth in other characters like Luke, who is not infallible. He's not the Jedi master that kids might have thought he would grown up to be. He has his own flaws. He's a human character Personally, I think he's more interesting in this movie than any of the others. Uh, Finn doesn't really have a ton to do, but I think his growth is also there. In The Force Awakens, you see him really only fight for Rey. Like, he's he wants to get away from the conflict. He only goes back to the base to try to rescue Rey. He has found some kinship with, with humans in a non-sterile environment like like he was used to with the First Order. In this, you see him learn through Cantabite, which I know is everyone's least favorite, that this is bigger than him. Also, I think there's a great motif of like objects not being as important as you think they are. Luke Skywalker just throws away the lightsaber that everyone thought was so important. Uh, Rose Tico is willing to just give away the medallion that is so important. Haldo flies her ship through another ship. There are countless examples. The the Jedi text, it's telling you that things don't matter, people matter. And I think that is a great lesson in this movie. Um, I love how it takes twists that were pretty predictable and turns them completely on their head. You don't have... Uh, the big reveal of Rey being any specific person. She's nobody. She's nothing. Which is, I think, one of the biggest improvements to the lore is um, she doesn't have to be a Skywalker. The, the whole point of Star Wars is that Star Wars is for anybody, right? You have the broom kid at the end who is obviously Force-sensitive. doesn't matter what your last name is. You can be the hero, too. And that is the the personal touch that I thought Ryan Johnson brought to the franchise, and I loved to see it. The Sith, I gotta say, is the the reaction to this movie. It shocked me. I remember seeing The Last Jedi with some friends. 
I loved the title. I was super excited. Ryan Johnson is one of my favorite filmmakers. I am biased there. Brick is a very important movie to me. I love Looper. Brothers Bloom is not bad. So I was excited going into it. Saw it with some friends. We loved it. I was like, oh boy, I can't wait to see what the internet thinks. And I was uh, not happy with what I saw. I was surprised. Like it didn't really make a lot of sense to me. And to be honest, it still doesn't. Like when I think about why people don't like this movie, it just doesn't click with me. I don't understand how Ryan Johnson ruined Luke Skywalker. It doesn't feel that way to me. It feels like he improved the character. He gave the character conflict. He let him learn a lesson. The goodbye between Luke and Leia is such a heartfelt moment. Yoda and and Luke sitting there in front of the fire is one of the best moments in the franchise. The bad guy and the good guy teaming up to fight the golden prince on a throne. Incredible. I love all of those moments so much. And I was just so surprised to see that people didn't feel the same way. Like, it really blew my mind that people were saying that the Attack of the Clones or, or Phantom Menace were better. Like, I don't understand objectively how you could think that. And uh, it really creates a lot of uh, friction in conversations. I hope the the pod was civil because I know people fall on different side of that. And it's okay to like things and it's it's okay to not like things. But I was really surprised at the reaction. And it's not okay to chase people off the internet because your opinion is different. It's not okay to you know be shitty because you didn't like the way your space wizard was handled. And, you know, maybe your your expectations were subverted because you were challenged. And being challenged in a movie, even if it's a big blockbuster, isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing. I think even if you hate The Last Jedi, you thought about The Last Jedi nonstop, and that makes it a big success. Also, it was a big success. It was a billion-dollar movie, and it was critically acclaimed. So I don't really understand the argument that it's bad simply on... It's bad. I don't like it. I think uh, history will will dictate this as the best of the sequel trilogy, which, again, might be biased because I love it, but I really think history is going to remember this movie more fondly than uh, the J.J. takes. And, um, you know, history might be coming faster than we think because Rise of Skywalker is already in theaters as of the release of this podcast. The Jar Jar, I, I, I'll give it to Cantabite. I know a lot of people don't like this subplot. It's not my favorite subplot. There is a lot of convenience to it, but I love what it's saying. It again ties into that objects are just objects. People are what's important motif, right? You have a, a an arms dealer selling to both sides, and you see the real effects of the war and the the social dynamics in a way that we've never really seen other than maybe the slave trade in episode one but obviously that isn't as um off the beaten path that's more connected directly to the story i thought you see what's important to finn here right like this is a big turning point for him i think rose tico has more character development in this movie than Lando has had in any movie he's been in. 
Um, I think she deserves a lot of love as a character. I mean, frankly, she kind of takes the Poe route, right? Like, she's not a hero of the Resistance. She's just somebody who's out there doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And you don't need to be a hero of the Resistance to be a hero of the Resistance. I, I think that theme is great. She's learning from her mistakes. Every character is. Oh, I love this movie so much. <laughs> I can't even like talk about it without being like, yeah, this is great. Uh, the more I think about it, the more I double down on that, that this is really, I think, the best Star Wars movie. It might be my number one. It's it's between this and Empire Strikes Back. But those two movies, I think, are so connected because they have that central theme. And they're both from Yoda. And that's why I love Yoda and these two movies. There you have it. That's my my Jedi, my Sith, my Jar Jar. Can't wait to see how the franchise ends. I mean, I'm not really too sold on JJ as a director. I wish Ryan Johnson was uh, a little more respected in the, in the conversation that's going on right now because I think he did set up some interesting stakes. I love Kylo's destruction of the mask, but then we see the the trailers and he's just back to the masks. I mean, there's another point for the like things don't matter. He literally destroys that mask and then you just have JJ put it back together. That really rubs me the wrong way, so I'm 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 coming off a high of the last Jedi and I'm nervous for the future, but the bottom line is it's Star Wars. I love all Star Wars, so when I get to see it, I'm sure I'm going to love my first viewing um cuz hey, I even love the prequels. So, there you have it. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Normies. Uh Joe's telling us to look for the master hacker. That's something that I didn't uh, assume he would let us do, but that was an interesting transmission there, buddy. I'm not sure how you even filmed that. Yeah, amazing. Well, you know, I guess we do got to stop by Canto Bite. It's okay. I know uh, some slot machines can get real hot over there, and there's some good horse racing from what I understand. Best stable boys in the galaxy. Yeah, and Adam's wearing that red plum fruit. Uh, He seems important. I'm going to go talk to him. uh, I borrowed this from my grandmother. (laughs) Oh, shit, I think I parked illegally. I got to go check on the ship, guys. Oh, yeah, you're getting towed, Mike. You're yeah, getting yeah towed. Uh, Shut this podcast down. <laughs> shut oh, it fuck down. We, we better get out of here. Hey, Normies, thank you so much for listening to this, uh, The Last Jedi. Probably our longest episode, but also the, the film that probably deserved the longest discourse based on the response. Uh, this very has true. been Canto Mike. Thank you very much, and we'll be back with The Rise of Skywalker next time. B.B. Colin. This is Jay Cablo Wren, and I can't wait to see the new movie. This is Adam Arable. Adam Arable? Akbar. <laughs> you nailed it and on next the front week, and our last episode, Normies, for Star Sember. Star. Nope, we're not even. I can't even do it at the end here. Star Vember, War Sember. Get ready. Real quick, Adam, please plug your podcast before we go. Uh, check me out at readinheathens.com, R-E-A-D-I-N-H-E-A-T-H-E-N-E-S.com. It's an unholy and wholly uninformed Bible study. Thanks, guys. Best log line in the business. All right, Absolutely. guys. May the force be with you, normies. May the force. Oh, were you going to say it? I'll let you say it. Nice. All right. I'm I stand it right there. Yeah, that was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Hello there.
Thank you for listening to this very special Star Wars edition of Normies Like Us. We will be back for more Star Vember and Wars Simba. And you will give us a rating, like, and subscribe on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Catch you soon, Normies. May the Force be with you.